0: Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Welcome to the Bass and Brews Podcast, your weekly distraction from other high quality podcasts. And now, your host, Alex from Swamp Rat Fishing, and the co hostess with the mostest, the Jabberhammer, Paul Roberts.
1: oh welcome to Bass and Brew's podcast, your weekly distraction from quality podcast content. We are here today, minus swamp rat fishing. Y'all have known the story by now. I think he's got about 55, 54 more days before he is retired. Back into good internet service at his home. Until then, you have to deal with me and whatever degenerate co-host I bring on and today we have a great one shown the fisherman from jugs and bugs aka jigs and bigs Sean how are you today
0: I'm confused I haven't been on in a little while when did you become the jabberhammer and what is that
1: oh see see look brandon this is it's how bad it is man that this guy he's like he's the father of he's the mother to this podcast him and him and Bobby and they don't even listen anymore our good friend cupcake coley called me to jabber one day because you know i can't shut up i talk i talk all the damn time and and somebody added hammer on the end and i i picked it up and ran with it now i'm just waiting for alex to make a shirt
0: we gave you up uh as a podcast for adoption in utter shame sometime <laughs> last year so yeah i'll
1: own that <laughs> Well, I cannot wait to get Sean riled up, because if y'all have listened to any other episode that him and I have ever been a part of, we usually end up screaming at each other at some point. Hopefully, that's not going to happen tonight, since we've got a professional with us, and uh, we have that bass fishing dude. Brandon, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast knows who you are. How are you doing tonight, Hoss?
2: I'm good, brother. Um, Can't complain at all, man. Living the dream, you know.
1: I hear you. The tallest kayak angler in the world i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that that is that's a fact at this point isn't it
2: that i am i i have yet to come across anybody as tall as me or taller in this <laughs>
1: and, and um, how tall is that
2: i'm um, seven foot tall
1: so seven foot tall that's why if y'all ever look at this content this is the one person that you can look at content and him hold up a fish and say i gotta you know this is an eight pounder and if you question the size of that fish, you 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 know, you can question it because he makes eight-pounder look like a one-pounder in my hand. Yeah, man.
2: It, it definitely <laughs> happens. A buddy of mine, he's always, uh, anytime I send him a picture of a good fish that I, I catch, he's always like, dude, he's like, put that thing next to the rod because I, I, <laughs> I, I can't take anything from that and make it seem like, you're, I can't say that you're lying or telling the truth because, to me, it just looks like a two-pounder. So, he's like, lay that thing next to the rod. That's the only way that I can really gauge the size of my fish.
1: That's the truth. You guys just start taking all the – no more selfies with the bass. You just got to put them on the board and let the board do the speaking.
2: I do that a lot, too, man. That, that board definitely comes in handy. I definitely try to post a board photo whenever I catch a good one.
1: So Brandon, tell us about yourself What what's brought you here today where you are sitting in front of Sean and me on the Bass and Brews podcast.
2: I mean, a little bit of everything, man. I mean, I, I've been, you know, we've been running through this, uh, this outdoor fishing space for a few years now. Um, you know, obviously grew up fishing my entire life. You know, that seems to be the, the tell all story of every angler, um, obviously doing a different style of fishing than I grew up doing. And, um, you know it's just been a a real journey man a lot of fun to to get to this point you know building my own personal brand obviously um you know networking connecting with different and various people throughout the industry um you know making a lot of friends you know obviously traveling around and fishing and telling some unique and you know really cool stories and chasing some awesome adventures um you know it's just been a lot of fun man i mean you know i'm, I'm really appreciative of you having me on the show you know to chit chat about some different things
1: yeah, yeah, and I have to uh, thank our buddy uh, Drew from the Paddler's Playbook for getting us connected. Um, I have, you know, I've been following you for a while. I found you through, I think it was a Paddle and Finn probably podcast last yes. year. And I've been following following you with that and then just, you know, going through it. And you're an intriguing figure because of, you know, how, how big you are right because when <laughs> folks get into kayak fishing that's one of the things that uh if you if you're ever around new kayak anglers on a facebook group or anything like that people are always asking. you know i'm 250 i'm 300 i'm a big guy yeah. what can i fish out of a kayak and you always hear yeah now you have to have the right kayak to be able to fish like that Absolutely. but but you, you're you a good example of anybody can get in a kayak and catch fish.
2: 100%, man. And, and I think that's a big part of the reason why I do what I do, you know, and, and why I've been able to do it so well. Um, you know, I, I'm 7 foot tall, 310 pounds, you know, 315 on a good day. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, that, and that's just me, with just clothes on. You know, that's yeah. not including, you know, fishing gear and all that other stuff or me and my kayak or whatever. And, you know, it, it does, you know, kind of set this example for people that are coming into this sport, because there is a lot of questions, you know, from new anglers and new people that are looking to get into kayaking and things like that. Yeah. You see it, like you said, all the time on the kayak forums is like, man, I, you know, I'm 260, 270, 300 pounds, you know, I'm, you know, 6'1", 6'2", you know, what is a good kayak for me, you know, and. And the reality of it is is that there is tons of boats out here that can support an angler of your stature. And the reality of it is is that, yes, if I can do it, then anybody can. You know, I'm out here fishing, standing up, you know, fishing comfortably, you know, confidently. You know, I'm a person with a broken spine, you know, out here, you know, seven foot tall with a broken spine, 310, 15 pounds, standing up, fishing out of a kayak, you know, a plastic boat. And, (laughs) And not just... You know, obviously I'm in a Hobie Pro Angler 14, you know, 360, you know, obviously that is, you know, top tier of the fishing spectrum when it comes to kayaks. But I started out in a three waters big fish one twenty, you know, a twelve foot kayak, you know, paddle kayak. You know, I have a an NRS CUDA inflatable kayak, you know, that I stand up and fish out of comfortably. You know, Mm -hmm. it's you know, there there's a very wide spectrum of kayaks that are out there on the market that would surprisingly support a lot of people that all it takes is for you to just get out there and give it a shot, and you'd be surprised just how much fun you can actually have on these boats and how well it'll support you.
1: Now, Brandon, you said, you know, uh, for folks of large stature, you know, being in the right kayak, tell us about the wrong kayak that you fished out of the first time for your because <laughs> that, that story is that's a good story,
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Hold on just a second. <laughs>
1: Oh, somebody trying to break in! Yeah,
2: I got four dogs, man. They're nosy. But um,
1: <laughs> hey, man, you can bring them on. We'd love to have <laughs> the podcast.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I a kayak actually almost ended my kayaking career before it even started. So, you know, my wife is from up north in Maryland, and um, you know, she grew up kayaking and and things like that. So, one year, it's about you know coming up on four years ago now. You no, know, it's probably about five years ago when I bought her the kayak. But um, she was like, you know, I, I really want to get a kayak. So I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, Mother's Day rolled around and I bought her a, 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 one of those Bass Pro, you know, Ascend FS10T kayaks. You know, nothing crazy. It's a little sit on top kayak. You know, comes with a paddle. It's, I think it's like four or $500 uh, kayak. Nothing nothing crazy. Nothing super expensive. But for her, you know, it's perfect. You know, oh. small statured person works out perfectly fine. And um this is a right around the time we actually we used to have a boat. We had a 27-foot tri-tune. Oh, and, um, you know, we pulled pull. It had a 150 Merc on it. You know, we'd pull in tubes and all kinds of craziness with this thing. And um, so we'd mothership her kayak out. You know, we live right here. You know, I'm five minutes from a lake. So um, we'd mothership her kayak out there all over the lake. And, you know, we'd pull up in a cove or something and slide it into the water. And then she'd just take off on her, on her kayak and do her thing. And um, one day... You know I was you know sitting on the boat and I was just like man that looks like a lot of fun like I, I'd like to try that and um <laughs> so you know I throw my PFD on she comes rolling back up with the, the kayak and I was like hey I want to try that and um so you know I, I slide down there into the into the onto the, the kayak and you know this kayak is so small it's a 10 foot kayak you know and it's like 28 inches wide so it's not it's not some big wide crazy platform. And um, I was like seriously maxing out the weight limit on this thing. I think it only has like a 324-pound weight limit or something like that. It's not very much. And um, so you know, the stability of this kayak is just for me at least, was is out the window. So I'm I sit down on this boat and like I can't even sit in it like you would <laughs> sit in a normal kayak with your legs in front of you on the boat. I actually had to sit on the kayak where my back was completely flush up against the back of the seat and my legs were hanging over the gunnels. That's the only <laughs> way I could sit in the boat. Cause anytime I tried to put my legs in front of, it was instantly trying to tip. Uh-huh. So again, you know, I'd never been on a kayak, so I didn't really know what to expect. But, um, so, you know, I, I get my, you know, my bearing, you know, I, obviously I'm sitting in the kayak the wrong way, but you know, I got my bearing and I, you know, I threw a little spinning rod on the back and a little rod holder and I, and I paddle off on the, on the kayak. Well, Her and the kids take off on the boat. They they just burn off and leave me over here in the sea. Yeah, so I'm like kind of just paddling around and making a few casts here and there. And dude, all of a sudden, just water just starts (laughs) pouring through the scuppers (laughs) on this thing. So you know, I'm I'm like freaking out because like you know I don't really know what to do in this situation. You know, mind you, you know I can swim like a fish. I've taken drown proofing and survival swimming Mm -hmm. and all this stuff when I was in the military. So falling off the boat and into the water is not an issue for me. It's just the fact that this kayak is sinking or at least in my <laughs> mind it's sinking and I don't really know what to do in this exact moment. You thought so you spent like nuts. Like I start like waving my hands and I'm like, hey, and my wife, you know, they're like, you know, probably half a mile away, you know, on the lake. You know, their the girls are swimming and stuff, jumping off the back of the boat. My wife like looks over me, she's like, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm <laughs> like, "No, hey, he's yeah, having so much fun." And she's like waving, and I mean, I think we just went on for like five or six minutes before she finally realized, like, "Oh, maybe he wants me to come back over there." So she starts the boat up, and they come back over there, and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, this kayak is sinking, (laughs) and um, she's like, babe, you're in five feet of water. You can literally just stand up right there, and I'm I'm, I'm like, that's not the point. Like, I know I can stand up right here, but the kayak is still sinking. So, you know, again, freaking out for no real reason, but. You know the, the boat just wasn't made for me. So That's you know right. I get off the boat and I, I get back on the onto the I get off the kayak and get back onto the boat and I'm like I'm never getting on the kayak again. <laughs> and I was like that. There's no way. I was like that. This is not for me. And um, you know I think it took me about a month. You know I, about a week or so went by and I was just like man. I was like, there's got to be something out there that I could get on. I was like, because, you know, at the time, you know, this is right around, you know, I think I had had been like, you know, just bank beating for, you know, probably seven, eight months. And, um, you know, I was really just looking to get off the bank. I didn't want to get a John boat or anything like that. I, I did. I was I just I loved the allure of this kayak thing. And I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world, you know, to to have a kayak. So, I, dude, I, I think it was like a week and a half, two weeks that went by. I was just just deep thinking on us, scouring the internet, you know, for cause I was like, Man, people fish out of these kayaks. I was like, There's gotta be better boats out here. And so I, I start looking and looking and looking and looking, boats start popping up, you know, bona fide SS127, SS1 or RS117, SS 107, you know, um, you know, the feel-free lineup, you know, vibe starts popping up. I was like, Man, look at all these different kayaks. And I started looking at the weight limits. That was the first thing I started looking at was the weight limits. <laughs> yeah. And um Cause I like again, like I was maxing out that Ascend FS10T, literally at the top of that thing, and um, I came across the this is right around the time that Three Waters had had hit the market. Mm-hmm. They're a, a sister company of Feel Free, and um, so I, I found the Three Waters Big Fish 120. Man, I was watching all these headwater videos on Insta- on a uh, YouTube about this kayak, you know, and it just looked so cool, and it looked really stable and sturdy. It was big, you know. It had enough room in it. It had a decent-sized seat in it that I felt like it would hold me. So, I, you know, popped over to Mariner Sales right here in Dallas, and uh, Duke over there um, took me to the back where they had one on the shelf. And I was, I, yeah, we pulled it off the shelf and laid it down on the ground. And uh, I had Lila with me, my nine-year-old, and um, she she's not wasn't nine then, but uh, I had mm-hmm. her. We went over there and we looked at this kayak, and. Um, I sat down in it on the floor and I was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> and, um, I ain't
1: sinking this one, baby. Let's yeah, go. It.
2: And like, yeah, it's a sub $1,000 boat. And, I uh, know. I bought it right then and there on the spot. I, I can't remember if it was for father's day or something. It was, it, I think it may have been for father's day. I, I got that kayak and, um, man, I fell in love with, with paddle sports from that day forward, man. I, I think I took it out the, that same weekend that I got it and, uh, I was in love, man. Love at first sight, man. It, it was it was the coolest thing in the world to me, man. And I spent two years in that boat fishing hard, man. That, thing, that thing's got some serious miles on it, man. Um, it's got a lot of slime on it. You know, for the, probably about the first year, uh, you know, I, I I hadn't built up the confidence to stand up in it. Like, I had tried to stand up in it, but, you know, you get up a little bit and you're like, oh, oh, oh crazy. And then um, one day I, I literally was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to stand up. And see what happens. And um, I was fishing a lake up north of me, um, one that I'm, I'm a big fan of. It's a smaller lake. It's about three thousand acres. Um, a lot of really good fish in there. Um, it's a really easy to pattern lake, but there are some giants in that freaking lake.
1: Hey man, um, a three thousand a three thousand acre lake is like the ocean to compare to Shone's lakes.
2: Oh, bro, that ain't nothing. We got lakes out here. <laughs> the lake that's right here next to my house is twenty seven thousand acres.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got. I, li- yeah. I live. I live on a lake that's eight acres. Oh yeah, I mean, and We and we got tons I've, of those too, but bro, yeah, we got I've, there's monster lakes out here, man. You, you call them puddles down there. Yeah, <laughs> man, there are some big
2: lakes out here, but um, you know, I wonder. And I just I just stood up. You know, I was just like, you know, forget it. I'm just going to stand up. If I fall out, I fall out. And I stood up, and I was like, you know, the the thing that I was focused on was just not locking my knees. You, you know, know I, was, like, I was like thinking about like a person again. I, I For one, I've never been surfing before, but I used to skateboard, you know, so I grew up skateboarding and rollerblading. So I was always, you know, your best balance is when your knees aren't locked, you know, bend your knees a little bit.
1: And you're also an athlete, so you understand body position and all that. Like, you know, that's that's good knowledge to have when you're in a kayak.
2: Absolutely. So and I I stood up and I was like, okay, I, I got it. And then I made a cast, and it got a little wonky. But I was like, "Oh!" But I didn't sit back down. You know, I just kind of like saw it through. You know, and I figured it out how to do it. And from that day on, man, I was standing up fishing out of that thing like it was another, I could walk all over that boat.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, people, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, man. People would always be like, "Man, what kind of kayak are you in, dude?" He's like, "I see you out here fishing <laughs> in that thing." And uh, they were like, "Man, dude, we gave one away." Like that was um, when I um, when I hit. Uh, I think my. Ten thousand follower milestone on Instagram. It might have been ten or it might have been five. I think it was five, it was five or ten k on Instagram. I gave away a, a, the same kayak that I was in. I gave the you know I was working with uh, Austin Canoe and Kayak, long time partnership right. with them um, before all this stuff happened with them going out of business and things like that. But um, you know, great company, great group of people over there, man. Always took care of me. Um, we partnered together on a big giveaway, and, and I gave away a Three Waters Big Fish One Hundred and Twenty, a PFD, and a and a paddle. And um, you know, the person that won that kayak, man, he, he ended up being becoming a really good friend of mine. And um, he's gone out on a guy's trip with us and you know, I talked to him all the time, man. And he fell in love with the sport because of that. He was in one of those mm-hmm. old That's lifetime awesome. Walmart kayaks,
1: you know, that <laughs> he paid me like, two or three talk, bucks. Talking about no stability.
2: Oh man, and dude, he is a fishing fool now, man. Like he mm-hmm. just—he's actually in the process of selling that boat because he's—he's buying a an Old Town PDL. So you know nice. he's upgrading. Yeah. You know? He—he's been in that boat almost the same amount of time that I was in that boat um, before I decided to upgrade. You know, so I and mean, it's—it's cool, man, to just you know to to grow the sport in that manner, man, to pass that on to somebody mm-hmm. else.
1: Yeah, that and that's cool. And that's and we've talked about it on this podcast, and I've talked about it with some other people about growing the sport. The sport of fishing really isn't growing, but the sport of kayak fishing is booming yeah, because man. people. What the sport of kayak fishing is booming mainly because it's getting like you, just like you, it's getting folks off the off the bank and into the water. Yeah. And, and, you know, to have to, to be able to show people that you don't you don't have to be like Alex, four foot nine and 120 pounds like Brandon. Alex didn't hear us. This isn't as fun because he won't get all red and, and, and you know, embarrassed. But you're like six Alexes. <laughs> and, and Alex, Brandon, is our is the guy who started the podcast. My guest co-host, who's like I told you through Texas out on his last tour in Coast Guard. But anyway, you're like six Alexes. Tell me this. I have this is this is a question that that I'm more curious about outside of the kayak. What the hell kind of PDF do you use? Like, because do you is there a special size? Like I mean, you're a large human being. Yeah, yeah. Paul Paul. Paul.
0: Yeah, Pfd, yeah. not a PDF. He's not wrapping himself in files, dude. It's a whoa. PFD personal whoa, whoa.
1: flotation device. We'll get there. It's good. Hey, I'm colorblind. Don't pick on me for being dyslexic too.
2: <laughs> no, I use a, uh, uh, I started out with an NRS Chinook humongous, massive fan of that, of that, um, uh-huh. that PFD. and, um, I just upgraded to the, the P, um, the NRS Raku, which is the, it's a newer model, um, okay. PFD that they came out with last year. Um, they're actually revamping it again for 2020, uh, 2023, mm. but, um, so, you know, the Chinook, I don't know if you're familiar with that. PFD. Mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. in the power sports industry are. Um, but, you know, it has that really high back with, the you know, just the mesh lower back mm-hmm. so that, you know, when you're sitting in your seat, you're not, you know, um, it's not overtaking your back.
1: It's not um, hot in the Texas sun.
2: Yeah. So the Raku actually has a full pad on mm-hmm. the back, but it's it's really thin. It's a mm-hmm. really, really thin pad. But the, whole, the front of the, the PFD is identical to the Chinook. And, um, but it just has a, a more cushiony back, but it's a real mm-hmm. narrow pad that runs up the middle of the of the back. So you still got the mesh on the sides, and it's just got a, a narrower uh, pow, uh, pad that runs through the middle. That's that's probably about a half inch thick, whereas you know obviously some POVs, you know that, that pad is an inch and a half, two inches thick on the back. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just it just it has the pad is more spread out across the back versus that of the Chinook where it's just really high. I still have the Chinook. I still wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just I really just really actually like that um that raccoon a lot. So I, I wear that a lot more. Once it, when that came out last year, I started really wearing that one.
1: And on your fishing, you, you said you grew up fishing, sounds like mainly from the bank and stuff. Yep. Where where would when you started fishing, when you got your big water and you started fishing like okay, where where were you in in the novice, you know? expert level where were you in the fishing from a boat aspect
2: oh i it was non-existent like i I didn't grow up fishing from a boat at all um you know i grew up fishing like everybody else but you know worm fishing you know i mean some Mm -hmm. people grew up bass fishing but that that wasn't something that i grew up doing you know i grew up you know throw a line out there sitting waiting whatever hits it is what is what hits it you know it could be anything (laughs)
1: that's right especially in
2: texas oh man yeah you know i grew up fishing with my dad my mom and my aunt so you know, we fished a lot, you know, just growing up, but, um, and even as an adult, I, I still fished in that manner. You know, it wasn't oh, cool. until about four years ago that I really, you know, took this leap to, to want to learn how to chase bass. You know, that, that there was, it, it all kind of just came from me watching some YouTube videos. And then a buddy of mine that I went to college with was a bass fisherman. And, you know, it just inspired me to go out here and chase this fish, this one green fish, because my, my mindset and thought process behind it was, is that if I could catch that, if I could, if I could figure out how to catch that 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 one green fish, that bass, I can chase and catch any species on, on the planet. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my mindset behind it. So um, that's how I ended up fishing for bass. You know, I, I, it took me about two months before I, you know, of uh, just fishing really hard. You know, not from a kayak, but even just from the bank. You know, beating up the you know the neighborhood ponds and all these little ponds and stuff around. You know, DFW. Um, before i actually held one in my hand that i had actually caught you know it, it took two months of me basically fishing almost every single day after work or every weekend i literally bought every piece of soft plastic that you could imagine and my wife actually banned me from buying soft plastic and because i did i'm not joking man i probably had five grand worth of soft
1: plastic oh, you literally and, had about everything damn yeah me. man
2: and it dude every time we go to walmart i'd buy something else and she's like why mm-hmm. do you keep buying this i was like well because I, I need it and she's like you got that at home already i was like but i don't have this color <laughs> right. this is, yeah. you know, this is before my you know my mindset you know obviously the the more and more i got into this the more and more i realized that i didn't need a lot of that stuff and um that's where it kind of just turned into you know what it is now
1: what, what was the catalyst that that got you to where you are now where you know you go out you catch big fish you, you know what you're doing put you at the expert level was it youtube was it was it local folks uh was it just you going out there and figuring that out on your own what was that catalyst to to ramp up because you know you're that was five years ago you're fishing from the bank and just getting into into bass fishing and now i mean you 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 got it and yeah, I, you know there's some of us that have been fishing for a long time and don't got it like you got it
2: i mean dude i'm going to be honest with you man it's it's a mix of all of it you know i mean uh, but a, a vast majority of it comes from just time on the water you know and mm-hmm. you know it, it's really interesting cuz you know i i i don't tell a lot of people this but you know i do tell people this cuz i mean I, it's it's the reality of it you know when it comes down to it is like i don't fish as near as much as my social media would make one believe you know, I work a full-time corporate job. You know, my followers know that I work a full-time job. They know I yeah. work Monday through Friday. But, you know, a lot of people from the outside looking in, um, they may not know that. You know, they may not know and understand because they look at my social media and like, man, this dude's on the water every single day. He's on the water all day long. That's all he does is fish every day. Dude, I don't. Like, I I might fish once or twice a month in some cases, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, the, the difference is when I'm on the water, I maximize that time mm-hmm. when I'm on the water I'm taking advantage of every single second that I'm out there and um you know whether that comes from the aspect of content creation or just again you know growing my skill set and you know to to say what the catalyst was that got me to where I am today you know a lot of it is from you know studying other people you know things that people have told me but also it comes down to just putting that that time and putting that work in on the water because you know, fishing is, is hard, man. Like it, it is a lot harder than people make it seem, dude. I, I go out here and I zero a lot of times, man. Like mm-hmm. I have terrible days on the water. But then there are some days where the stars align and I knock them down, you know, and I mean, and it and it just works. But there's a lot of trial and error that goes through it, man. A lot of trial and error that happens mm-hmm. more often than not.
1: And on Bass and Brews, we our guests are primarily content creators. That's mm-hmm. that's where we look for people to bring on here because they're interesting to they have a, a story to tell and they know how to tell that story. And one of the things that I learned when I started kayak fishing and started creating I'll call it my content, it isn't really that good. But when you go out and fish and you catch 12 fish in a day, that's 12 different pieces of content. And so I would I'd get the same thing, or my wife would get these take you what? how do you let Paul go fish so much? And I'm like, look, if I go out and catch fish, 12 fish in one day, that's 12 pieces of content I can spread out. And your content, you know, you, you alluded to that. People think you're out there fishing all the time because of the content you create. And if y'all have not looked at his Instagram page, you got to go look at it because his content is, is phenomenal. I appreciate what? That. When did you start that? What got you into it? And then, how how did it morph into into being you know a, a damn star in the in the Instagram realm?
2: So you know I've always been a part you know all the way back from my days in the military man like you know it's always been you know I, I've always put one hundred and ten percent in everything that I do you know I'm, I'm not gonna you know half step on anything you know that that's not that's not something that I do you know if my wife will tell you that I'm I'm passionate about everything that I touch. And like whenever I touch something, I'm like hyper focused on that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, for me, it's always been about quality over quantity. You know, there there's this this mindset that um, in you know in this space of content creation that you just need to post, you just need to post. It's not about the quality of the post. It's not about any of that other stuff. But the reality of it is, is that the quality stuff goes a lot further than the quantity does. And if you spend that, if you take that time to, to put a little bit more effort into the content that, that you create, you're going to get a lot more out of it. And um, for me, you know, even from the beginning, it's always, I've always been focused on the quality aspect of it, mm-hmm. less about the quantity. You know, when I first started this, you know, this whole entire thing, I wanted to be a YouTuber. You know, that was, that was what my goal was. I wanted to be uh, the next John B, you know. Um, I use John cause I'm, uh, he's a good friend of mine and you know, I really enjoy his content and things like that. I and mean, he's a, he's a stellar fisherman, but um, you know, that was my mindset is that I wanted to be the next John B you know, I wanted to put together these, these unbelievable YouTube videos. And I just wanted to make as many YouTube videos as possible. Well, after starting um, and doing that for, you know, a month, of just making YouTube videos, I realized really quickly that that wasn't actually something that I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a YouTuber. That,
1: that ain't think, easy. It ain't yeah. easy to create that YouTube content like that.
2: Well, well, what it is, is, is for me, it's, it's redundant and it's, boring. Mm-hmm. you know, whenever, whenever you look at YouTube creators and con- YouTube content creators as a whole, especially just in the outdoors of fishing space or just in any space for that matter, it doesn't even necessarily have to tie into the fishing space. Or outdoors, dude. A lot of these videos are just rinse and repeat—the same thing over and over and over again. And you know, this is not a knock on anyone or you know, on Tactical bassin or anything like that, because I, mean, I really do love Matt Allen and Tim uh, Little's content. You know, I love everything that Tactical Bassin is doing over there. But do they literally make the same twelve videos mm-hmm. every year? And um, they literally just rinse and repeat them with the, with the same information, and they add in something new the next year. It's you can literally go back on their on their your YouTube page. And watch every video that they've put out for the last 12 years, there's literally an identical version of every single video on their page for mm-hmm. the last 12 years. And it's just redundant. It's just the same thing recycling over, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And for me, that's it gets old after a while. So, you know, I I started, you know, really thinking about and formulating how I could still make YouTube content, but doing it in a way that it was still fun for me and it wasn't redundant. And that was whenever, you know, I met my my best friend, Charlie, you know, who, who runs a marketing business. You know, he, Mm -hmm. he's a, he's a marketer at heart, uh, runs a marketing company. And dude, this, this man has been fundamental to, you know, my strategy, strategize, strategization, (laughs) strategization of growing my, you know, my fishing brand. You know, he, he's the one that kind of helped me outline and strategize around building my content cool. strategy that would would make it so that I could create the content that I wanted to create without it being redundant. Because, again, that's mostly what a lot of this content is that is out there on YouTube. You can, watch, you can look up anybody, any one of these other fishing guys that are around here or anywhere else. Their videos are all the same. You know, They're fishing the same, you know, 10, 15 ponds, catching the same five or six fish out of those ponds. Making a video, you know, the same thing over and over again. Human highlight reel, hook set after hook set after hook set after hook set. There's no substance to that, and I mean, it's not something that I personally find enjoyment out of watching. So it's not something that I that I think that my audience would enjoy watching either. So we've always, you know, focused on do you know chasing an adventure, or telling mm-hmm. some unique story, um, doing something that's out of the box that's going to inspire you know you to get up off the couch and go out here and do the same thing. Whoa, I
1: ain't, I ain't, don't be picking that's on me because I'm fat. I, no, look, I, I mean. <laughs> Alex ain't here. We don't need fat jokes when Alex ain't here. Look, <laughs> damn it, boy, I tell you what, I can't, I, I can't get away from a fat joke to save my damn life. I swear, y'all going to make me lose weight one day picking on me like that. It's okay. Go ahead with your story, Brandon. Go ahead. Yeah, man. <laughs>
2: but, you know, we, you know, we, we want to focus on creating content that's going to inspire people and motivate people to get up here and, and get up, go out and chase an adventure, you know, whether that's on the bank, whether that's on the boat or whether that's on a kayak, you know, whatever it may be. It just it, it inspires you to get up and go out here and do the same thing. We 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 create content, you know, that um, is transcending. You know, it, it,
1: mm, again, mm.
2: it it's something that it sparks interest in your mind whenever you see it. It, it makes you feel like you're a part of what we're doing.
1: It's engaging. You know?
2: Yeah, it's absolutely it's engaging. And, you know, and it, it, it again, it inspires and motivates you to get up and go out here and, and either try to, to a recreate the same type of, you know, feeling or moment or just go out there and just enjoy being outdoors. And um, and that's what's, what's always been the focus for, for me is, you know, because, you know, a lot of people that get into this space and, you know, they start, you know, doing this content creation thing or whatever it may be. They often lose sight of why they're doing it in the first place. You know, the, the numbers start stacking up, you know, the followers start blowing up and all this other stuff. And and they lose sight of the whole entire foundation of why they started doing this in the first place. And for me, that that has never changed. It's always been for the love of fishing. You know, everything that we've always done in this space has always been about growing the sport of fishing, growing the sport of paddle sports. And, and it's always been a for the love of fishing, for the love of the sport. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to stay on track with that, is because it, we never forget why we're doing it.
1: Yeah, the storytelling part is you said people lose sight of why they're making the content. And I feel like the storytelling part is where you see the evolution of people kind of losing the early part of their videos and and stuff like that. Right. Chasing, chasing the views, chasing the likes. They start getting some checks from YouTube or, you know, start making some money, getting some sponsorships. And so they lose that storytelling part of it, but that's what people want to see. I always my my whole thing with, with channels and people that I follow on social media is it's educational, it's entertaining, or the catching big fish. It's mm-hmm. it's one of one of those or all three of them or a mix of the three, but but that's that's the people that are successful, they're typically doing at least one of those things in technical bass is a great example. You know, they put out the same content every yep. year with whatever new lure came out, they'll throw that in, but it's educational. And when you have a lot of new people coming into the fishing space, they're going to go towards that kind of content because they're learning something. So it's the, it's the educational aspect, but to keep that viewer coming back video after video, after video, that story part of it, like feeling like you're there with you and you're going through that miss or you're maybe you catch one fish and they spend 20 or 30 minutes watching that video the whole way through for one fish, because it's the story and it's it's how you put it together. And that that's the part that keeps me engaged with the channels that I continue to watch.
2: hundred percent, man, because you know that that's where it's what it's all about that, that building that, that, personal connection with your audience is key, you know, to, to building and growing a, a solid audience, you know, and, and to do that, you have to put out, you know, good content, you know, again, you know, a lot of people, especially in this space, you know, or just in any space when it comes to social media growing and things like that, their mindset, you know, comes from a lot of these bigger, you know, account, you know, your Gary V's and all these other people that are out there like, oh, just post the content. Nobody cares what it looks like. <laughs> just post it. <laughs> No, man, that's BS, man. You definitely want to put out good quality content. And because, you know, you got to think about the audience that you're trying to build off of that. You want somebody that's going to continue to come back and, you know, enjoy Mm -hmm. and watch your content over and over and over again. You know, you want to be able to create content that is going to draw that new people in all the time, you know, and you want to create content that people can always go back and watch, you know, that. Again, mm. that they can, they can gain something from it. And, you know, that's one of the things that's always been important for us is just always making real authentic content, you know, show the good with the bad, you know, there, because the reality of it is is fishing is not some big hot human highlight reel. You know, you're going to go out here and you're going to zero, you know, you're going to go out here and you're going to break rods. You're going to break off. You're going to get hooks in your hands and legs and face you know, you're going to do all this different stuff. <laughs> you're going to fall out of your kayak. You know, you're going to fall and skin your legs up. You're going to do that. You know, but and that because that's the reality of what what being in the outdoors is. That's what the reality of fishing is. You know, fishing isn't always catching fish. You know, mm-hmm. you're not always going to catch them. You're going to go out here and you're some days you're going you're, you're going to have a, a hundred plus fish day. You know, it it happens. But then there's a lot of the times that you're going to go out and You're going to grind and you're going to struggle and you're going to catch. You know. Two 12-inch bass or a catfish, you know, and you're gonna it's it's gonna suck, you know. But you know, we we tell those stories and we show those days anyway, because again, it doesn't give somebody a false impression of what the sport is. Because the thing about this is whenever you sell somebody that false impression of what the sport is, especially a new angler, you know, somebody that's coming mm. into this space or thinking about getting into this space, they see you out here, oh, just slamming hook set after hook set after hook set there after hook up. set. 10-pounder, 12-pounder, 5-pounder, 6-pounder. They're like, oh, man, that looks awesome. They go out and they spend $300 on fishing gear and $1,000 on a kayak, and they get out here on the water and they absolutely zero. And it's you know, they spend, you know, five hours out here literally backlashing every time they cast or,
1: you know, mm-hmm.
2: almost falling out of their kayak or losing a bunch of gear or, and just flat out not catching anything. And then that person is, they walk away from the sport they never were.
1: The little bit of YouTube content I've put out and all the video that I've collected that I haven't put out yet, <laughs> I always, in my videos, kayak fishing, you're in a confined space. I have never had so much shit get tangled up and so much crap happen in a in fishing than I have in a kayak. And I always, any kind of that stupid stuff that happens, I always put it in my videos. I put it in because that's where my commentary gets very colorful uh, to myself, you know, but it is also, that's the real part of, of fishing in general. But then once people get into these little plastic swan boats, this stuff happens on a kayak and you get it that to me, that relates to people, Absolutely. you know, you're, you're going, going and, and messing up and overhand casting and throwing a rod out in the water or one of your rods, <laughs> one of your rods comes loose in the back and you go to, you go to pull it and you don't know it and it's tangled up in the four of the rods behind you. Like that kind of stuff. Or to me, the thing that I hate the most is every time I use a net and I fish a lot of treble hook baits, you get a fish in the boat and it takes you 10 minutes to get the treble hooks out to, you know, to deal with stuff. So I've always tried to put that in there because it's real. And again, those are the, I like videos where people show that. I like to watch the pros fish MLF and, and bass when there's when it's a grinder and they're struggling I like mm-hmm. to I like to watch that I want to see how they react
2: absolutely I see
1: how they go to fish like that's the stuff that interests me now obviously there's a market for people that go out there and post videos catching bigs and a lot of fish but you know, again I think we're really honing in on kind of the people coming into the fishing game when you can show that it ain't all sunshines rainbows and unicorns, they feel a little bit better about their journey into Absolutely. fishing and all the shit that happens because it happens to everybody getting hung Absolutely. up and losing stuff. I mean, that, that's the, that's the fun part of fishing. When you record it, if you record your stuff, that's the fun part when you sit down to to edit it and to post it, that's where you kind of pick on yourself a little bit and that's where people, you know, get back. I, the, most of the comments that I get on mine are always about, hey, man, it's funny that you put, you are know, getting tangled up or, you know, your braid getting wrapped up into a knot at the end of your rod having to cut it off. Like, that's the funny yeah, shit.
2: Yeah, man. And there, you, there's there's not a video on my channel that you can't go watch that literally, like, the first one to five casts that I make is, and they, they are literally my first one to five casts that I don't blow a reel completely to smithereens. Like, just the <laughs> biggest and worst backlashes. Mm-hmm. And I did it in every one of my videos. You know, it happens every single time. like And Charlie's like, man, it wouldn't be a TBFD video if there wasn't a backlash in it.
0: That's right. <laughs> that Speak, speaking of smithereens, when you got up to shut the door on your dogs, the conversation was going at, yeah, that first kayak I had almost put me off kayak fishing. I thought for sure you were going to be, pull out a big sliver of polyethylene saying, this is all that's left of my FS10. <laughs> it, it lasted four minutes. It screamed. It exploded. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Brandon, it sounded like you were more afraid of sinking your wife's kayak and getting in trouble because it was gone <laughs> than anything else
2: bro funny story man that that kayak actually did not survive um, <laughs> trip. So, um, we, um, man this is crazy too man. it's funny you bring this up um, me, me and some buddies of mine we did a we did a guy's trip down to Fairfield Lake um, a couple of years ago and um, a buddy of mine he didn't actually have a kayak so you know again I, I had my three waters at this time so i was like um you know i told my wife i was like hey do you care if you know i bring you know your kayak so you know my buddy scott will have a boat to use she's like yeah no problem just don't just don't tear it up and i was like well i'm not gonna tear it up and um so we went down there you know drove down to fairfield you know boats in tow you know had a good time you know i think we're down there three days and um you know we pack up wrap up everything we're driving back so i have you know my three waters in the bed of the truck and then her boat is right next to mine in the back of the truck. Tailgate is up. So her, you know, the, the, um, st- the stern of the kayaks is hanging out of the back of the truck yep. and um, I, I strapped them down. Um, great. I thought, and um, we're driving back, you know, I'm rolling, man. I'm my truck. It, it drives like a Cadillac. I mean, I could be going, you know, 90 miles per hour and you, you never even know it. it just and it's Texas.
1: Me. That's the minimum speed limit.
2: Most definitely. And um, so, you know, we're rolling back, man. And um, we, you know, I, I, we get, we're we driving probably, I think we had gotten maybe about two or three miles outside, you know, past the lake. And I, I hear like this giant boom, 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 And like, I thought I had run something over. <laughs> you know, so like I'm looking in the rearview mirror just because I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm, I didn't stop, you know, I just thought like I had run something over, like, you know, like one of those gators in the road, you know, that 18 wheeler tire. We call them gators,
1: yeah, armadillo. Then, yeah. That's oh, all I'm you
2: gonna say. i hit one of them bad boys too, but hey, you know, I thought <laughs> I just ran one of those. So I'm like looking in the rearview mirror, don't see nothing. I look, you know, up in the middle rearview mirror, and both of the kayaks are still back there, or so I thought <laughs> they were back there. And, um, dude, I'm just driving. Just rolling, 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 rolling. And I think probably 20 or 30 minutes went by, you know, and we're just chit-chatting in the truck. And I look up in the rear view mirror and then, you know, I look back on the road and then I look back in the rearview mirror again. And I'm looking and instead of the stern of the kayak, basically looking where like I'm looking at the top of the kayak in through my rear view mirror, I'm looking at the underside of the top in my rear view mirror. And I'm like, no. That there's no way. It? So we pull off the road real quick, dude, and I get out and I go back there and look. And we had been dragging my wife's kind behind my truck on the highway, bro, going 90 miles per hour. Nobody drove by me and honked and said, hey, by the way. Yeah, nothing, bro, so my three waters big fish is sitting out of the back of the truck like it's supposed to. Her kayak was sitting next to it. Hanging off the back of the tailgate like this, the bow of the boat was coming up over the top of the tailgate, and the the stern of the boat was on the ground, bro. It had completely sheared off the back half of that kayak, bro. Completely sheared it off. And um, Scott gets out of the truck and he's like, Dude, and I'm like, Bro, and <laughs> So you know, I had to call my wife, my wife is
1: going to kill me. Oh man, I do. I don't called her and I my was kayak, like, honey. I, we ain't gonna tear no kayak up, man.
2: I think I don't even think I said anything, I think I took a picture of it and we were just standing on the side of the road, and I just sent it to her. And she texted me, she's like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> and um she's like, I told you not to tear up my kayak. <laughs> and I was like, I know, I was like, it was an accident. And dude, it was all bad, man. Like that boat was like I'm talking it completely cut just a 45, <laughs> dude. It was just an open shell Bo with man, a 45 sheared completely off the back of it.
1: And no that's way, when nope. you purchased your first ever Hobie 360 was for your wife.
2: Nah, man, <laughs> that's that's light years ahead of that one. But dude, that man, was that, that was that was too crazy, man. Like that that whole situation and scenario was just wild, man. Like, it that, was, kind it was, it. It. that
1: kind it of deserved it. That it absolutely
2: did, one hundred percent, man. It it was about worth that much. I mean, I I couldn't believe it, man. I was I was baffled at that because I'm not I'm, dude, I've been dragging that thing for thirty minutes. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm talking about we probably driven you know fifteen miles. <laughs>
1: I can't and, believe nobody was like, hey, you know.
2: Bro, nobody you, said a word. There was cars, I mean, maybe it was because I was, like, blowing by everybody. Because, like, I'm I'm rolling. Like, I'm going, you know, 70, 90 miles per hour, you know. I'm just cruising. So, you know, I'm <laughs> passing everybody. There isn't really anybody that's passing me. You know, so maybe that's just why <laughs> nobody said anything. But, dude, that, man, that that was absolutely crazy.
0: Dude, you're doing 90 down a Texas highway, dragging a kayak like that. The first thing I'm thinking when you whip by me and I'm not honking, I'm like, "Wow, that dude's on meth." Yeah, it's <laughs> gotta be something. <laughs> yeah. it's gotta be something.
1: Somewhere on the internet, that there's a video of you passing somebody on the internet dragging that kayak. It is dude. somewhere on the internet in video form.
2: <laughs> I wish I could find it, bro. Because I'm telling you, to 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 see what that looked like <laughs> would be insane, bro. Absolutely. Insane. <laughs> like this is before my truck had anything on it you know before my the yeah. shell you know before the wrap anything like that before i had you know the lift and the wheels and tires on this is this is my truck when it was just plain jane and dude i bro i would kill to see a video of that cuz it was it was i'm sure it was absolutely insane to
1: be behind <laughs> that. Don't tear up my kayak. We ain't gonna tear up your kayak. Yeah, that's we exactly what I
2: said. Guy. I was like, I'm not. I was like, How am I gonna tear it up? It's a <laughs> yeah. kayak. That's, that's literally what I told her. I was like, How am I gonna tear it up? It's a kayak.
0: Bro. It was at that moment he knew he <laughs> effed up. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Golly, that's funny
1: right there. Look, when you tell your wife that you ain't gonna do something, you better double and triple check that you ain't about to do it somewhere down the line. Cause sure as shit. They know something. Don't do this. I ain't going to, what, you think I'm an idiot? I'm yes, idiot. yes, honey, I do. It's a it's Rick James,
0: it's a, it's a Rick James, James a moment right team. there. Yeah. No, I didn't put my feet on his couch. Yeah, I put
1: my feet on his couch. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brandon, are you running any uh, technology? Are you are you are you shallow fishing, or do you have some graphs, forward facing sonar, or anything like that on your stuff?
2: Absolutely, my uh, my setup is actually it's pretty dialed. Probably probably one of the more dialed setups out here uh, in the game. So, uh, yeah, I'm running a dual uh, Lorance Elite uh, Nine uh, Elite FS nines. Uh, I'm running an Active Target as well. Um, I do fish a lot offshore. Uh, I've actually over the last year, I've gotten you know I've shifted focus a lot to really really dial in my offshore game. So I spent a lot of time fishing offshore. Um was that, buddy, go ahead.
1: was that out of you just wanting to? Was it tournament centric? Like what what led you to to go more offshore?
2: Again, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm really focused on becoming and being the best angler that I can possibly be. You know, that you know, again, you know, to kind of back this up a little bit, you know. A lot of people that I think that fish on social media, they're not really focused on being great anglers. You know, they just want to be content creators. So you know that, And I think that's a lot of the reason why a lot of the content that we see out here today um, from the fishing space from a lot of people is, is so redundant because they're not focused on being, becoming and being better anglers. They're just focused on getting the shot and, you know, making the best yeah. YouTube video they can possibly think of. I'm focused on being the best possible angler that I can possibly be. So um, that's part of the reason why I fish competitively as well. You know, two years ago, you couldn't have paid me to fish a tournament. Hmm. You know, there's no way. Cause I'd have been like, you know, I I, I've literally said this is that I don't want the fishing that I do to turn into work. And because tournament fishermen, at least the ones that fish tournaments full time, like, you know, your, your Christine Fishers, you know, your, your Guillermo Gonzalez and, all these other guys out here, your Chad Hoovers and so on and so forth, Gene Jensen, those guys that, that fish full-time, that are tournament anglers, that's all they do is fish tournaments. Bro, they're working. Like tournament fishing is is hard. You know what I mean? So, you know, two years ago, I just said, Nope, I don't want to fish tournaments. Uh, I don't want the fishing that I do to become work. Cause I, I genuinely love the sport of fishing. I genuinely love fishing, but I, Took a, 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 a step off the deep end last year and um, I started fishing tournaments and yeah, I fell in love with it, man. I, I love fishing competitively, especially when you get into a good trail um, with a group, a great group of anglers. Um, mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how much fun you can have out there fishing. And it has really, really, really changed the way that I fish, even just when I'm out fishing for fun. And you know, out here chasing content. I mean, I, I create content from my tournament stuff as well, but it has completely changed the way that I fish. But the how I got you know started in this offshore game thing is is again just wanting to simplify my skill set, become and being a better fisherman. Um, that was a big part of it, man. I, I really wanted to learn how to fish offshore and chase suspended fish in 60, 70, 80 feet of water, you know, 20, 30 feet of water, you know, to to go out here be sitting out in the middle of, you know, a 150,000 acre reservoir, you know, a mile Mm -hmm. offshore and, or two miles offshore and six foot rollers with 35 mile per hour winds and still catch fish, (laughs) you know, out of a kayak, you know, it seems crazy to the average person, but it was something that I wanted to do. You know, it was something that I really wanted to learn how to do. You know, we, I watch a ton of fishing, like I'm a big fan of, like you said, the MLF and the bass circuit and things like that. You know, sure, these guys are fishing out of a bass boat. So, you know, they they've got stability on a whole nother level when it comes to fishing offshore. But dude, just the quality of fish that you find offshore, man, is is second to none in comparison to the fish that you typically find up shallow. Um, you know, when you find those offshore staging areas, man, that are just holding the right fish. Dude, the, the type of fish that you get into, man, is just it's it's so different, man. It is, it is literally a totally different type of bite. And Charlie, you know, my best friend is He is completely against fishing offshore, man. This dude is a no-foot-to-ten-foot water fisherman, man. Like, he loves shallow-water fishermen. And I love it, too. But for me, again, you know, here in Texas, you know, in the dog days of summer when it's, you know, 110 degrees, you know, those fish aren't in that shallow water. (laughs) And, you know, the ones that are up there in that are not the ones that you really want to be catching and you know, I'm always telling Charlie, I'm like, man, we got to get off, get out here, and get offshore. And he's like, bro, he's like, I'm just gonna, he's like, there's fish up here, man. And he's like, I'm gonna get them. I'm like, well, you keep on messing with them fish. I'm going <laughs> go out here offshore. I'm gonna go find me some fish out here. But uh, you know, Charlie is a stick too, man. He um, he definitely, dude. On days that I'm not catching anything, man, this dude is literally just laying into him. And go ahead,
1: go ahead, go
2: ahead. You know, days that you know, like I said, you know, days that I'm not getting on, Charlie is just on him, man. Like we'll be out on the same lake. And he'll be fishing somewhere, like, he'll be up shallow, I'm offshore, or, or he's, like, semi-offshore in some, uh, in some slightly deeper water, you know, 12-foot of water. And, you know, he's just throwing, like, like a swim jig or something, man. This dude is a swim jig throwing full, man. This dude can catch everything swimming on that bad boy. That is a bait that I, I have yet to get dialed in on, that swim jig. But that man right there can catch some fish on a freaking swim jig. And... Um, yeah, it's just days that I'm not catching anything, man. He is just laying into him, man. And, you know, we kind of – we just kind of play off of each other, you know. It's like there's days that I'm just getting into all the quality fish and he's, you know, just not really finding the right ones or he's not catching anything or days he's on them and I'm not or it's, you know, vice versa. But uh, it's just fun fishing. With them, man. And it's just crazy.
1: Sean and I were talking about this uh, right before you came on, technology and, and specifically. <laughs> And how you know it's it's part of the fishing game now is yep. to me, and and get into for you know I don't even like to get into those arguments anymore. Whereas here is here to stay. This is is to me it's no difference than you being able to fish with a Zipco thirty three or a Shimano Corrado. Yeah, you can. We can purchase both. We can fish with both. We can catch fish with both. The technology is just another tool in there to do it. And you reference something that Sean and I were talking about with fish being offshore in the summertime there. I'm in North Carolina. You know, the fish in the summer here, same thing. You know, those fish are going to be schooled up offshore. You're going to have a better quality fish that you can catch more consistently offshore. And they're yep. going to be in bigger schools. So when we have a kayak tournament here and there's 50 people on the lake and everybody's beating the bank, you can't go run a bank. Like, I mean – it's just not going to happen. So being able to pull offshore, Sean is in the northeast slash New England area, and offshore fishing for him is is, I mean, Sean correct me if I'm wrong here, is more predominant than shallow fishing in the in the short amount of time y'all had to fish. For shit, ice is over, but technology is is here is here to stay. And being able to learn how to do that, everybody talks about being a well rounded angler. To yep. me, a well-rounded yep. angler ain't somebody that can throw every lure or you know majority of lures and know how to fish them. It's they can fish shallow, they can fish offshore. It doesn't have to be deep, but offshore, yep. and and you can you can go where the fish are because you can't fi- can't catch fish where fish ain't
2: exactly. And,
1: and so, being well-rounded means that you can you can go target fish in different areas, different water columns. And, Sean, that's what we were talking about earlier with technology. Neither one of us have four-facing sonar. But we Yet. talked about how, yeah, how it's becoming something that if you're going to fish competitively, and all three of us ha- were athletes at some point in our life, that competitive drive to me is the reason I got into kayak fishing because I didn't want to go into a bass club and fish out the back of a, a boat. I did, You know, it it's fun. It's a good learning experience. But I could be in a kayak and actually – do my own thing. And I, I could compete. I could fish our local trails. I could go to some of these national trails.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, um, I think we, we did cover this a little bit on, uh, on jigs and bigs a few months ago. And it's just something that, you know, with forward facing sonar, it's developed that reputation of being God. And you know, I hate this word, Paul advantageous. I don't, it, it's a tool in the tool box for, for an angler, but some, Sometimes other anglers will look at that and say, well, that guy's got live scope. I'm screwed. Right. On certain lakes, that that can be the case. In a certain tournament, that can be the case. But I think there's been such backlash on it. And, you know, the general feeling of 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 anglers who may not be able to afford it or don't, you know, in my case, I don't want to pay for it right now. I mean, it's expensive. Um, where we... And I know, um, Brandon, you've been fishing for, you know, really seriously five years. Paul, how many years you've been fishing, like seriously, 10, 15?
1: Uh, broken up, probably 15.
0: So I've been what? I've been at it hardcore for 15, but as much as possible for over 30. And yeah, the only time... You're, you're,
1: you're old. We get yeah, it. You're all gray, and old.
0: No, but the only thing I, the only time I can remember, and I brought this up on the show, was the only time I can remember backlash like this was when the Senko debuted. And it was like cheating and someone who maybe hasn't put the time in all of a sudden is putting up those numbers like someone who has. And that's the only real comparison I can make. But the difference being, you know, it's going to take a lot of $8 bags of Senkos to add up to a a Garmin live scope. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, it's our game. our, 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 our sport is always going to change and, you know, right now I'm digesting ways. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. Is this something, is this the direction I'm going to go in? Cause it's, it's an immense cost, but I just, again, finished in a, in a tournament um, middle of the pack where live scope was really, you know, fishing through a live scope was, was really the dominant way to finish in the top 10. I think um, six out of the top seven in this tournament finished, you know, had live scope. And it's it's tough to compete with that on certain lakes when you don't have it, you know.
1: Yeah, Damn
2: so, I'll tell you stop. this, man. I'll be oh,
1: real quick. Side imaging, from a technology standpoint, not a lure or anything like that, but side imaging had a bunch when it first came out. It had a lot of the same arguments and stuff when it first came out because you could see outside of down below your boat. Yeah. and and that 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 was uh, from a technology standpoint and that's where we're headed in fishing right lures have been regurgitated year after year after year and and you can listen to Ken Duke talk about how lures that are coming out now that people think are fresh and new well back in the 30s there was the same lure at some point but the technology is is really kind of that, that big thing out there and inside imaging i would say was was a big uh I don't it know, was argument a, point or whatever. It
0: was it was a step. This is like a quantum leap.
1: True, you know what I mean? True. This, that's, this that's is, how technology works, though. Yeah. Technology doesn't go. I mean, you know, a year from now, the technology we're using now is obs- is quasi obsolete.
0: I I get that, but it's been recently in the past fifteen to twenty years where we're seeing developments year by year that used to take that used to go decade by decade. You know what, what I mean?
1: Technology, it's, it's, technology is is technology is. Faster than anything else we've ever seen.
0: But lately, the past 20 years is what I'm getting at. The advancements have come way quicker. Way. I mean, think, think about just televisions, all right? We had tube TVs for how many years? And they would slowly evolve. And then the next thing you know, we have flat screen tube TVs. And those lasted for what? Five years maybe? And then all of a sudden, bam, you had three or four different kinds of true flat, sc- flat screens that were what? Three, four inches thick to start. And now they're down to what? an inch inch and a half I
2: mean, than that. That but that's like this thick as a
0: paper. yeah, yeah I, I, and that yeah. and now we all have we all have basically flat screen TVs with multiple inputs on our kayaks <laughs> all right i mean think of think of that that's all been i mean we went from tube TVs for 50 to 60 years and then in the space of you know i mean when did i i first saw flat screen was what 2003 all right 2003 in 20 years we have gone from a flat screen tube tv to a nine inch monitor on our kayak with four or five different inputs with forward-facing sonar where you can see fish attack a lure in real time
1: it's Think, amazing I mean,
0: yeah but but, but remember yeah. we had 50 years of tube tvs before mm-hmm. that or 60 years of tube tvs before that was slow advancements and then all of a sudden what did it semiconductors i don't know but like we're we're in this technological advancement like you're right the what, what you're what you're what you're saying is exactly right paul it does move fast I, not, when, you, not, when you have that perspective that i have from yeah you know yeah. Well, hell me and bobby selling tube TVs in 1995 <laughs> you know at, at an electronics store i have that perspective of things moving are moving a lot faster than oh, they yeah. used to and and you know i that's the other thing Let's say I invest three, you know, three thousand dollars in a forward facing sonar. How soon's that going to be obsolete? You know, we were talking
2: obsolete for a while, man. I I think you got a ways to go before Mm -hmm. forward facing sonar gets becomes obsolete.
0: That's what people thought about flat screen tube TVs in 2003. But there's it's a little
2: different though. But you know, I, I will say this about forward facing sonar in comparison because you know, using you as an example, somebody that doesn't have forward facing sonar. Um, you know, that, that's on the fence about buying it, your thoughts about, you know, what it means for the sport and, and etc. You know, as a person that didn't have forward-facing sonar for ever. I mean, I've only had it for maybe a year. I don't even think I've had it a year. You know, it's not a make or break you, man, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm being realistic, if I'm being like really, really real about it, um, the kayak space. Hasn't been taken over by forward-facing sonar. There are, I mean, you look at take Drew Gregory for instance. This man is fishing out of a paddle kayak with no electronics on it, and he is three out here <laughs> with three rods and he's winning national trail events. You know what I mean? He he's he's won Bassmaster events. He's won Hobie BLS unit uh, mm-hmm. BOS events with literally knowledge. You know he's. The thing about it is, is that those of us that are that are anglers, that are true anglers, that actually are growing and building our skill set in this sport, we know that fish are predictable beings. We know that. We know where fish are going to hang out. We know what high percentage areas are. The only advantage that forward-facing sonar gives you is the ability to just see the fish and efficiency. see the fish there.
0: See,
2: Forward-facing sonar gives you the ability to fish more efficiently. You know, that. that
0: I'm actually going to disagree with that, Brandon. Over the past two years, what I've been getting from some of the anglers that I frequent with up in the Northeast is that they are learning new things about bass behavior because of this forward facing. Oh, slaughter. 100%. 100%, 100%. I mean, so we're, we're finding fish. You know, like I brought this up on the show, and I, I was in this tournament and I got slaughtered in it last year. But I faced an angler that was offshore by himself in a deep lake. Catching nineteen to twenty inch largemouth in a cold water lake, they were suspending forty feet down, just above the thermocline, chasing smelt. yeah he was looking for balls of smelt, and he would drop a drop shot down to him. But he saw those fish and stopped. Which, yeah. with with with, it would never you know, happen tra- in any other scenario. traditional. Yeah, traditional yep. sonar, we wouldn't have seen that. Absolutely, so that's there, amazing.
2: Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you on that. There are one hundred percent. Fish that are being caught in in today's day and age in fishing, there are fish that are being caught to, right now with four faces and sonar that have never been caught before.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: And, and that's a fact. There's no denying that. But again, with the whole entire aspect of this is that you know fishing is a is a giant game of luck. You know, when you really really boil it down to the reality of what fishing is, fishing is, you know, one part skill. You know. And the rest of it is just sheer luck. I mean, you're you're trying to make the right cast at the right time at the right target, and, and and hope that the right fish is at the end of that, ready to eat that. Yeah. And you know, forward-facing sonar gives you the ability to see that there are fish on that target. You know, you know, sure, you know, you could go out and you could make two thousand casts at the same brush pile, you know, all day long with no electronics, and there might be a fish on it, there might not be one there. You know, but you know. Your intuition says that there, you know, I've scanned this with my down scan and my side imaging. I know there's a brush pile here. My down scan shows that there's a brush pile here. My sonar, my 2D sonar is showing that there is fish or bait in the area. There should be a fish on this brush pile. You sit there and make 2,000 casts at that. And you just wasted two hours of your day uh-huh. fishing this brush pile and didn't get a single bite on it. Because there isn't actually a fish sitting on it. That fish is actually sitting 20 yards off that brush pile out here, suspended in 20 feet of water. Whereas you've been cast into this brush pile. Well, forward-facing sonar is gonna give you the ability to scan over that and see, well, there's actually not a fish on that, but oh, actually that fish is actually sitting 20 yards just past it. Let me cast out there and see what that fish does. So, you know, forward-facing sonar does give you the ability in my opinion, to fish more efficiently. That's, that's what I've used it for. It's not necessarily a tool for me to go out and actually catch fish with, sure. I'm using it to catch fish but it, it dude it, there's a severe learning curve with mm-hmm. sonar. this is not something that you just plug in and all of a sudden you become kVD I oh, ain't yeah. magic, and I think a lot of people have that mindset and mentality behind it is that you know oh as soon as you, you got live scope so yeah you're just gonna catch all the fish like nah bro I'm still out here trying to get these fish to eat just as much as you are the only difference is that I know it's a fish on that whereas you don't so Them those 15 trees that we just rolled past, there was only a fish on three of them, you know. So instead of me taking, you know, eight hours of a tournament and flipping every single one of them trees, you know, every single side of that bush and every single side of that tree for eight hours going down the line, all 15 of those trees and then potentially only catching one fish off of one of them throughout the tournament. I don't have to do that anymore. I can just roll through. I can scan. I see there's trees here. Let me scan this and see if there's fish in the area or if there's a fish sitting on any of those. There's not. I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, there's this mindset from a lot of people that because, you know, for one, forward facing sonar is expensive. And I think a lot of people that have the, the most gripes and complaints about forward facing sonar are the people that don't actually have it. And whether mm-hmm. that's because they can't afford it or whether that's because it's um, just something that they just haven't purchased yet or something that they just don't want. Um, but I, I genuinely believe, you know, this is just my personal opinion. And again, and this is not a knock on anybody that doesn't have it or anybody that does have it. I do have it, but it's not even something that I use all the time. It's not four facing sonar is not even something that I even have turned on on my pack all the time. But I am I implore people that that are skeptical about four facing sonar to actually go out with somebody that has it and yep. try it. Go out on the water and actually put some time in with it, and you will find out very, very quickly how much of a learning curve actually comes with that stuff. You will be humbled quite quickly and realize <laughs>
1: that the average
2: person, average owner that has forward-facing sonar has absolutely no idea how to use it in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So you know you can't take into account or compare professional fishermen. You know, your Brandon politics You know, your Scott Martins and all these other guys out here that are running around, John Cox and all those other guys that are running around four-facing sonar in the pro circuit that are using this stuff. You know, you can't compare the average fisherman to one of those guys. Those people, those dudes are paid to get familiar with that product. They are paid to spend countless hours on the water. It's their job. It's their job. Every in and out of that to learn everything about that piece of equipment so that when they go out on the water, they can find fish. And people are like, Oh, they need to ban four facing sonar and pro and fishing. And I can understand why people's mindset is that they want to ban it because it's boring to, or in their mindset, it's boring to watch somebody sitting and staring at a screen all day, catching fish offshore. Well, the truth and reality of it is it's boring to watch people fish anyway.
1: And yeah. not, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it, yes, it, it that's doesn't the whole matter. Yes. Yeah, it Thank doesn't you. matter
2: if they're looking at a screen for four-facing sonar, they're looking down at their you know, their side imaging and down imaging, whatever it may be, watching someone fish is boring anyway.
1: The only you know? thing that's not boring about watching someone else fish is them catching fish.
2: Exactly. So yeah. if you take away four-facing sonar, because there is 100 percent absolutely more fish caught with forward-facing sonar than there ever has been in the history of bass fishing. If you take that away, sure. You know, people are argument is, Oh, you're a professional fisherman. You shouldn't need forward-facing sonar to catch fish. (laughs) You're right. They don't need it, but they
1: can still whoop your ass. catching They'll
2: they'll fish you under the table in a heartbeat. But the the reality of it is, is whenever you think about the aspect of live professional fishing being watched and consumed on television, Streaming and whatever that may be, no one is going to watch that if people are not catching fish.
1: Period. That's
2: right. Nobody wants to watch somebody sit out there and make 2,000 casts at the same brush pile for three hours and not pull anything off of it. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to watch that. Where, um, you think about the evolution of the human attention span over the last decade, you know, just just think about, you know, social media as a whole. Think about Take where that. we are with social media right now. TikTok yeah. and these 15-second video clips of people doing mindless stupidness. You know, think about this stuff. You know, think about the evolution of the human attention span. You think a person wants to sit and watch Brandon Polinick make a million and one cast at two targets all day long and not catch any fish? Absolutely not. Nobody wants to see that people want to people watch professional fishing because they want to see people catch fish because that's what pros are there to do. They're there to catch fish. They're out there to cash a check.
0: Yeah. I I completely agree with that. I think where I'm coming from is one of the biggest appeals to the fishing crowd, to the, the, this, this huge burgeoning growing sport that we're in of kayak fishing is that you don't need to buy a $30,000 bass boat. You don't need to buy a trailer. You don't no. need to buy insurance for both. You don't no. need to keep gassing it up. Mm. So you've got this kayak and then you're able to actually outfit it the way you want for a reasonable amount of money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But now you're coming in with one piece of electronics that we're seeing dividends on in the kayak trails. Yeah. All right. For for at least up in my area, we are definitely seeing the impact of it. And those those that that entry level. Kayaker that's looking to start to compete I agree with you. It's possible there there are people out there that go out and paddle kayaks and minimal electronics and whoop ass, but they are in the minority. So now they, you're looking at the minority, yeah, you're, you're looking at you're looking at well, now I've just got to double my price because I'm got I've got a twenty five hundred dollar pedal kayak, name your brand, that seems to be around a, a decent price for one, and now I've got to double that and go three grand on a on a Garmin unit, and it just I I'm worried as you know. I direct one two three what am I directing now paul four tournament trails three or four i can't even three. I can't even think of this three I'm, I'm directing three. three tournament trails at this time and we got a lot of our members in the local trail to fish a regional trail and they saw live scope in action and a lot of anglers at a uh, at a kbf event in the spring and a lot of them didn't go back because they saw what it did they saw that, you know what I mean? And that's where uh, I'm worried. I'm not saying ban it at all. I, I agree. Like it's there. We're not that. That's, you know, that ship has sailed. It's out of the box, but like, is it, is it going to hurt those anglers that, you know, now look at, well, that guy's got live scope. This is just a money grab. And that's, that's the, the feeling I've, I've been getting from those inexperienced anglers that are dipping their toes in the water of competitive fishing for the first time well i just really begged my wife or girlfriend to buy this boat now i've got to double that i mean that's just where you know especially you know, especially the way the economy spent the past few years it's painful
2: I, I think a lot of people have to look at it from through a different lens man the reality of it is, is with experience comes success and yeah. i think where a lot of people get so lost and caught up in this is that they think that they have to spend all this money to be successful. You know, they have to, you, you have to have the latest and greatest of everything to be successful. And the reality of it is, is that you don't, you know, but you should invest in your success. If you believe that investing in forward-facing sonar is going to improve your angler skill set, then absolutely invest in it. But at the same time, if you're going to invest in it, also take the time to learn how to use it and how to use it effectively and efficiently so that you can go out here and put it to work. And make money with it. If that if that's what your goal is in the end, is to go out here, fish tournaments, win tournaments, and you know, be the best angler you can possibly be using forward-facing sonar, then you absolutely have to put the time in to go do it. Forward facing sonar is not something that you can just go buy, throw on your kayak and and use it every other weekend, you know, for you know, an hour and think that it's gonna it's gonna put fish in the boat. Cause the reality of it is it's not. You know, oh, you cool. have to you have to take that time out. To go and put that work in with that that problem.
0: All, all of us with experience in one way or another with competitive fishing or angling and realizing the scene, we get that. Yeah. But I'm just saying the new coming angler, like but I said. Yeah, it, I already it it two takes, weeks ago. It
2: takes us that are experienced in this space to to let those new anglers know that you don't need all of this stuff. Yeah, and to I to come I, out here and be successful. And that and that's where I think a lot of people that are in this space, again, going back to what I said before, is people forget why they started doing this in the first place. You know, they forget why, you know, they got into fishing or why, you know, they want to be, you know, and again, you know, everybody doesn't have to be a content creator or, you know, the next, you know, Gary Vee or whatever you want to call it, you know, but again, growing the sport for the right reasons, you know, giving people those gems when they need those gems, you know, giving people that knowledge when it's, when it's yeah. necessary to say, hey, you got, we got these new anglers that are coming out here, you know, they're, uh, yeah, they, they see a lot of us out here running around with this four facing sonar They see us running around these $5,000 kayaks. They're pulling up in there, you know, Pelican, you know, one twenty or, you know, Ascend FS, you know, ten T, one twenty eighteen, whatever. Two taped and, up
0: shards of a of it, an Ascend yeah, kayak. It, it, is, it is
2: intimidating.
0: <laughs> it is a hundred percent intimidating.
2: Yeah. And, and I, but the reality of it is, is that that's just the way it is, man. That's fishing. You got to think about the, there's pros out here that are on the, you know, doing the the BFLs and the and the um, the qualifiers and things like that that don't have a quarter of the stuff that the, that Brian Latimer is running around with on his boat. You know, they don't have a third of the stuff that Jacob Wheeler is running around with on his boat, you know? And it's like, but you got guys that, you know, you just have to understand that I'm going to go out here and I'm going to fish the way that I know how to fish. And I'm going to make the best of it because if the, the, the real baseline of this is, is, that you should be having fun doing any of this. Yeah. And if you're not having fun, then there's no point in doing it, really. I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. It's like, I- Fishing is fun for me. Tournament fishing is fun for me. Sure, it'd be awesome to cash a check, dude. I haven't cut a check in a single tournament that I fished in two years. I have not cut a single check. Right now, I, I just qua- I qualified for the championship that I'll be fishing next month. I think I'm sitting like 29th in Aoi, you know. And um, this is only my second year of tournament fishing. And you know, that, I mean, for me, that, exactly. for me, that's exactly for me. That's that's a huge accomplishment for me, you know, a personal yeah. accomplishment. But at the same time. I'm having a blast doing it, you know. If I wasn't having, because I, dude, I've been to some of these tournaments, dude, and I have literally not had a good time. And I yeah. called Charlie on the way home, and I'm like, dude, I'm done fishing tournaments. I was like, i never <laughs> fishing this so,
1: Everything's for sale. You give back dude, your grant, you well, I'm not up, selling it because I,
2: I'm still fishing regardless of the tournament. I'm being stuff, facetious, bro. but yeah, but yeah, I mean, but it's yeah. like, dude, Charlie will tell you, like, I have, dude, I have called him literally two seconds from an atom bomb exploding, bro, like. I'm done with this tournament stuff because this is BS, like whatever, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I take some time. I, I sit back and I think about it. And I end up going right back into it, man. And I, and I have a lot of fun doing it. I only fish tournaments, you know, for the first half of the year. And I'm fishing one a month, basically. But mm-hmm. it's I'm, I'm having fun. I'm actually enjoying the fishing that I'm doing. I'm not going out there with the mindset of I'm going to win this tournament. Obviously, I'm going out there to try to win. But my goal is to go out there and put five fish in the boat. On a brand new lake that I've never been to, whatever it may be, if I've been to it one time, if I've never been to it, if I've been to it 20 times, I want to go out here. Every time I get on the water, I want to put five fish in the boat, whether that's the five right fish or just five fish in general. I want to get five scorable bass on my board and on the board in this tournament. That's all I care about. And if I can do that in the tournament, dude, I'm perfectly happy. And that transcends. I think a lot of people just need to focus their energy on. Like, don't worry about the electronics or what everybody else is doing or what everybody else has on their boat. When you pull up to the tournament, your mindset should be, I want to go out here and I want to put five fish in the boat.
0: You're, you're echoing everything I've been preaching for years. It's just, it's every, the, the thing I think that people don't realize is they're worried too much about other people's stuff and they've got thousands. to worry, they've got to figure out their own strengths and weaknesses. When so I sorry. tell people, when I tell people, hey man, um, like in particular, I, I try to foster anytime that we have tournaments, anybody that's in my trails, I tell them like, "I this is so military, but you're going to laugh at this. We do obviously a captain's briefing or a captain's meeting before the tournament. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen a, a ton of those. But we, we have a second part to it. It's, we have a newcomer's briefing. And I tell them like, Hey, welcome. We, we make sure that we go out and grab a bite to eat after we're all done. Um, this is kind of like, you know, playing cards with your buddies—you don't know who's going to win. There's some money on the line. We're out here to have fun, but you've got to realize this—this this is a, a small pond with some big fish in it. You know what yeah. I mean? Just, you're not—you're not just going up against like. I don't know everybody's background. I don't know if they've been out on a pontoon boat with their brother-in-law and they caught a two-pound bass last summer, and their brother-in-law said, "Man." you ought to fish tournaments and they have a couple beers. And the next thing you know, here's he's there, you know, you know know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like it's uncommon. And then they come into a tournament trail that, you know, we funnel in a number of different directions and it's not the, the, the entry level tournament that they think they're just going to go in and roll up. Like they fish on their, you know, their, their private pond or having a couple beers with their brother-in-laws in in the pontoon. Now they're up against guys who, are fishing three to four days a week and this is on a local level um but yeah i try to make sure that that when i sit down and i tell someone hey look you've got to find your strengths and weaknesses i'll say i use a creature bait i'm not telling you which one to use because i can tell paul like hey paul i'm using this creature bait and he'll make a face and go i use this exact same shape but it's a different brand
1: Mm -hmm. you know what i
0: mean like i just say something broad because there's no way I could tell somebody exactly what I'm using and then go out and use the exact same thing. And it's not going to catch them fish, but Mm -hmm. then they take, they make one tweak that I wouldn't do. And all of a sudden they're catching fish. So I just keep it broad, but I I try to pass that information along and say, here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it. Go on your own path and try to figure out your strengths. And it just, when you get to a certain level though, it just adds that level of intimidation where this guy can now see fish real time. And, and, Again, I'm not up for banning it. I'm actually considering getting it. I have to. And I've been relatively outspoken over the past year about it because I've had my ass whipped in tournaments where I've wasted those eight hours. Last weekend's a perfect example. I burned two days pre-fishing and and then the, the eight hours in the tournament, and I didn't even fill a bag. Right.
2: I, I zeroed in a tournament literally a month and a half ago that I caught fish in practice. I zeroed in the tournament using active target.
0: Yeah, I, I, well, I, so I, I,
2: I'm talking. About, I didn't catch a single. I did not. Not only did I not catch a scoreable fish, I didn't catch a single fish mm. the entire tournament. Like, and that and that's that's part of the game. You know what I'm saying? And that and it's really really good that you that you give that newcomers brief to your tournaments because that's actually really smart because it, it kind of it breaks the ice for them. You know, I, I didn't get a newcomer's brief whenever I started fishing tournaments. I literally just dove headfirst into it. It was like, you know, I got the schedule and I, I went to the first event and I was just like, I'm going to fish it. And like, dude, it was literally blowing 25 mile per hour winds. And, you know, it's it's kind of eerie too because, you know, the tournament starts at like six in the morning. So it's pitch black out there. And then, you know, the wind is ripping. You, you can't see the waves. It's dark as all get out. And I got to get out here on the water in this little plastic boat and hopefully not die. You know, (laughs) this is my first tournament, you know? And it's like, you just do it. You know what I mean? Like I just did it. You know what I mean? I know I'm different from everybody else. You know, I've been through a lot of stuff, you know, military and all that other kind of stuff. So I'm kind of just, I see an objective. I go through it. I don't really care, you know, whatever. But, you know, I know the average person is not like that, but those newcomer briefs, man, that, that is a, that's a really, really big step that I think a lot of tournament directors should think about doing, especially because dude, there are so many new people that come into tournament fishing, you know, because they want to give it a shot. You know, they see it, they think it's cool and they, they want to try it out, you know, and then, you know, they, most of the time they end up do falling in love with it, but yeah, there are a lot of people that come into it and they see, oh, well, you know, TVFD has got, you know, a $17,000 kayak sitting over there with everything on it, all the bells and whistles You know, here I am in this Pelican with nothing on it, but, you know, two rods and a freaking catch board. Well, the reality of it is, is that I've just invested in my skill set a little bit more than other people have. But at the same time, this stuff doesn't make me any more better of an angler than it does you. You know, so, you know, I go out here and and zero just as much as you will on that Pelican. It's not with no electronics. It's going to happen. It happens all the time. So, you know, just being able to reiterate that to them and to get getting that point across to, to newcomers that come into this space, anybody that's listening to this, that's considering getting into tur- tournament fishing or anything like that. Don't worry about what the next man has on their kayak, because we suck at fishing just as much as you do.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? what, what What I would say what, what, to touch on what Sean said is you can't catch somebody else's fish. You can't.
0: Excellent. And, Excellent and
1: point. So it doesn't matter, you know, Sean might go catch fish off of this point with this with creature bait, and I follow up and catch fish off that point with a crankbait. Yep. And maybe I throw a creature bait because Sean said something about creature baits on this point, and I don't catch any fish. And so I'm like, well, let me damn try my crankbait, and I catch fish on it. You can't catch other people's fish. Te- technology still, the, you, know, you still have to catch the fish, and technology doesn't change that. But this also transcends kayak fishing and boat fishing from a competitive standpoint is it, it when you're in that competitive side, it doesn't matter what you're fishing out of. It doesn't matter what rod and wheel you're using. Sure. Sometimes it matters with techniques or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you can catch fish on a Zebco 33 in a tournament and you win it, you're, you're, you're going to do it. So, I mean, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles to win money to, to place good the bells and whistles make us more efficient. They make us exactly be able to get the fish into the, the boat quicker, to, to keep them pinned, to be able to fish a specific technique. Yep. But, you know, it, you don't have to have that stuff to be to competitive. That yep. uh, and that it transcends, in this, we're not, you know, we're outside of just kayak fishing right now. We're talking about competitive fishing. And you see it a lot in, in both sides, yeah. i mean it, it's the it's the fact of knowing what you're good at knowing what your fish are that that you catch and and focusing in on that all these other little things just make us more efficient that make us more likely to to catch the fish and get the fish in the boat to weigh it or measure it but none of that matters unless you get that fish hooked
2: yeah, man. Don't short, don't shortchange your skill set, man. Go out here and do what you know how to do. You know, that, exactly. That, that's yes. where I think a lot of people they get lost in it because that you know, again, they see what everybody else is doing, and they forget at the end of the day that they actually know how to fish. You know, just go out there and do what you know how to do. You know, and and do it to the best of your ability. Don't worry about anything else, you and yeah, you'd be yeah. surprised what what you can actually accomplish on the water. You know, well, I, I was, was just it. recently fishing out of the lake. You know, out here that like is like super pressured. I'm talking about this is probably one of it, I mean, Lake Fork, of all places, yep. you know, this is the probably one of the most pressured lakes in the entire country. You know, this is the most well-known body of water in the entire world. And I literally was not, I couldn't catch a single fish with my electronics turned on. Like, I'm, I'm scanning, scanning, and seeing fish everywhere. You know, I got my active target running. You know, I'm looking at targets, and I'm, I'm marking fish all over the place, seeing just giant marks here and there, casting of these fish. And I'm literally watching them swim away from my loop. And I can't, I couldn't catch a single fish with that stuff on. Dude, I turned my electronics off. Like literally just turned them off. Turn my active target off, turn my graph off. And I'm just, I just start fishing. Uh-huh. And dude, I start leaning into just giants back to back to back to back. Dude, I caught two over seven. I caught two that were like 6.8. I lost one that was almost seven pounds, you know, and it's just, just back to back. I was out there fishing with a buddy of mine that had never been to Lake Fork in his entire life. Um, He's out there on a kayak for like his first or second time even being on a kayak. He caught three bass. His biggest was almost seven pounds. Mm. And it's like, sometimes you just stop overthinking things. You know what Mm. I'm saying? Just, just get back to the basics Remember to keep things simple and don't worry about anything else that's going on around you. Just fish. Just do what you know how to do. Like I know how to go out and and fish, you know, and and that's what I did. I just turned the electronics off. I knew that there's fish in the area. I knew that there should be fish in this stuff that I'm fishing. So it's like, I'm just going to fish and whatever happens is what's going to happen. And sure enough, I put a limit in the boat. I caught a, a big old catfish, four white bass, a bluegill. <laughs> I and I put five bass on the boat.
1: Damn, that's a good day, right? That's a hey, if you're from the south, if you're from the south, you feeding half the neighborhood off of that. Absolutely,
2: day. absolutely.
0: Last,
1: last year, um,
0: to, 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 to build on what you just said, Paul, I'm sorry to interrupt, Brandon. I'm, I'm gonna Are jump you? back at that. But Paul, when you said I can't catch fish that aren't mine, did you hear us say that on the show a couple weeks ago? Because I brought
1: that up. Because I, we, I've always said that, I've always yeah. said that because you know, I, I talk to people a lot. In my fishing journey, i talk to people a lot, and that's how I start to learn new techniques. But, uh, like, I'll get out there, and they tell me what to do, and I get out there, and it just it doesn't feel right. I'm not getting yeah. the bites, but then I'm like, well, let me try this. You know, Let's just say a Carolina rig. I grew up throwing a Carolina rig. So somebody's talking about throwing, I don't know, you know, a shaky head or something, and I can't catch fish on it. I throw a Carolina, Carolina rig out there and catch fish on it. So, I mean, it's just, that's how I always have looked at it. But, yes, la- y'all said it, and I yeah, agree la- with
0: that. Last fall, the story on this, Brandon, was um, I have a, a close friend that's my my assistant director for my uh, in-person trail up here in Massachusetts. And um, we've known each other since we were four years old and been fishing for the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years, real, you know, really mm-hmm. intensely. We went out to Lake Champlain. We threw in at this one ramp, I went right. And I was in about 10, 15 feet of water, throwing a chatterbait. And I, it was 19-inch smallmouth, 20-inch smallmouth, 19-inch smallmouth. And I called him over. I said, dude, here's, we weren't in a tournament. I said, here's what I'm throwing. Let's get on some smallmouth. <laughs> he lined up an identical lure, was throwing the identical depth, got nothing. After about 20, 30 minutes, he said, these fish aren't mine. He didn't tell me this. He told me later, these fish aren't mine. There's a weed bed over there. He's more of a largemouth fisherman. He does his thing, switches a lure, goes over to the large over to the largemouth area. Large mouth, nineteen inches, eighteen inches, seven. You know what I mean? He's hitting the largemouth. I move over there. I can't catch a largemouth for the life of me, but I'm laying into thirty and forty inch northern pike. So it was just it was funny to see that oh, we that were fish. mimicking each other and having completely different results in the in different areas. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, agree with it. I just you know getting back to the whole circle that the circle around this thing this this whole live scope is it's a hot button topic right now. Paul and I talked before the show. It did, you know, we, we echoed exactly what you just said about efficiency. It'll help clear water. I mean, I covered a lot of acreage on Saturday. I covered a lot and I pulled up four smallmouth. Whereas I don't, I would not have spent that much time had I had that tool in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I truly believe that would have, would it have helped me catch those fish? No, but it would have helped me find them.
2: Absolutely. You know what I mean?
0: And and that's what I use fish finders for. My graphs, I don't stop when I see six fish sitting on a stump, but I'm looking for more of those stumps in that depth around. The, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm looking for that pattern. I always say one fish is a fish, two fish is a pattern. If I can find that same scenario again, I'm I'm looking for that in my graphs. I'm not looking and turning around and hitting every fish I, I see. But that live scope helps me do that a lot quicker, I believe. And, yeah, it's going to take me a little while to learn. I get that i've already started i mean I, i'm on bass boats using it with uh with buddies of mine but i don't know i just see that at certain lakes it can make a difference a oh absolutely
2: difference, a thousand you know? percent. it, it can yeah. definitely improve your catch ratio on, on certain lake, on certain bodies
1: C- of certain yeah. scenarios i don't necessarily think it's lakes i think it's the scenario within within the day that you're fishing is what it comes down to because of just, it's, just definitely,
2: it's definitely a killer tool when it comes to catching suspended bass. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's oh, that's yeah. what I'm, I'm yeah. talking yeah. about. These gigantic, that's,
0: the okay. very few gigantic deep lakes that we have, where they're so heavily uh, uh, used by by pleasure boaters, like the shallows are a wave pool. And and yeah. when they're and on top of that, you know, I don't know how you guys are in the south, but I always look at shallow, clear water, like crystal clear water. The fish back off of that, you know. Oh yeah, they're not going to in that. Yeah, they're just smarter. They know they're going to get whacked by an osprey. You know what I mean? They yeah. they're in deep water, and when you've got this huge, vast expanse of water to cover, and you've maybe, you know, you only maybe have a couple days. Uh, I know some guys like we were talking about the professionals that can get out there and they have the time to pre fish for five or six days, and they can really use that live scope as a tool and really hone in over possibly hundreds of acres of water mm-hmm. in a week. And I'm coming in there on Friday, like, Hey, I got a graph. I could check out 20 acres. And I still have no idea what's going on in that 20 acres. I've just donated my money for that tournament. And some of these things aren't cheap. You know, I, I try to be as efficient as I can with my money because I can't be as efficient as I can with my scanning. You know what I mean? so
2: (laughs) So there's a, there's a, there's another key to that too. So, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, the size of a body of water that you're, that you're looking at fishing, um, I do a lot of map study before I go to lakes Cause again, I work a full-time corporate job. I don't, I don't get to go out and do, you know, two, three days of pre-fishing before, you know, a kayak tournament or whatever it may be. Um, this year specifically, I'm, I'm getting at least one practice day in, you know, I'm typically driving down the day before practice. I'm taking a PTO day. So I get, you know, that Friday to practice and then I'm fishing the tournament Saturday morning and then coming back home either directly after the tournament or Sunday morning. Yep. But, um, you know, I do a ton of map study, you know, in the weeks prior to, you know, fishing a tournament. Google Earth is, a, is an amazing tool for doing this, you know, and then you couple that with Navionics where you get the topography of the lake and things like that. You know, changing the, the time frame on Google Earth to, to show you if there was a drought where water is lower, where it exposes certain things in the, in the water and things like that. You know, it's a great tool for doing this, you know, and especially down here where we have these giant bodies of water. I mean, you're talking you know 26, 30, 40,000 acre plus lakes. You know, these are, this is a lot of water to cover and it, it's it's near impossible to do so in a kayak. Mm, mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I've really learned to, to break these bodies of water da- waters down, bodies of water down into into the rule of thirds you know you break the lake down into three parts three equal parts and then you determine how big that space is and if that space is still huge and you know just too much water to cover you break that down into three more parts so you know you you pick one of those first three chunks and say i'm going to focus my attention on this chunk right here this chunk is still really big so let me break this down into three more parts and you're going to pick one of those three chunks and then from there i just focus in on that one that one area of the lake I, I, I'm doing a ton of map study, topography stuff on avionics, looking at, at the layout of this lake, what it looks like, what's potentially in the area around this. And I'm marking and dropping waypoints on Google Earth. And I export all that data and I import that into my graph. And then on practice day, I actually go out there and I look at all the stuff that I marked and see if what I saw on Google Earth is actually there.
1: Hey, Brandon, real quick, real quick, I got a question. So when you're breaking down the bodies of water into your rule of thirds, are you prioritizing the areas where that, that fit the type of fishing that you're comfortable with and like to do? Are you prioritizing those areas? You're prioritizing it by where the fish should be.
2: It's a little bit of both. Um, And then a lot of it also kind of plays on weather. So if I know it's going to be windy or, you know, ridiculous, just wild, wild west out there, just crazy, I'm also focusing on areas that are going to provide a little bit of protection, if 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 it's possible, Um, because sometimes there you're not going to get any protection from from the wind, you know, and especially whenever you think about, um, you know, just how how fish move and migrate, especially when you consider whenever it is windy, you know, obviously wind creates current, current pushes bait, fish follow bait, so you know a lot of times you are fishing in the roughest part of the wind you know, you're, you're fishing against windblown banks or points. So you're out in the elements. So I'm looking for areas, you know, that, you know, the weather is going to play into. So if, if there's like a, a bunch of main lake points that are, you know, that are South, um, Southeast and the wind is coming North Northwest, I know that those, those points are going to be blown, you know, with wind. So I know that bait's going to be getting pushed towards those points. So I'm going to focus in on that area around there. Um, if it's not going to be crazy windy or weather's going to be kind of fine, it's kind of a, a, a anywhere kind of thing for me. Like I know that if it's going to be hot as all get out, you know, fish are going to typically be offshore. So I'm going to try to find some deeper pockets in the lake. You know, I'm using the Navionics to find those deeper pools or those, those deep Creek channels or or riverbeds or whatever it may be that are running through the lake where um, I know these are going to be offshore staging areas. And I'm gonna focus in on those parts, but also those parts are gonna have shallow water staging areas too, that are gonna have quick access to deep water where there's going to be bait fish, there's gonna be good ambush areas, there's gonna be timber or there's rock ledges or there's grass or things like that where these fish could stage up and be holding. So it kind of gives me a, a best of both worlds type scenario. If, I'm, if I decide to start off shallow or start off offshore and I'm not really finding the fish that I'm looking for, I can pull up in some shallower water and and look for fish there but at the same time i'm also you know that's like my plan a and b but my plan c is is like i'll kind of scout out another area as well that i can always just jump to if need be um so i mean because like dude i mean you think you take into account like sam rayburn which is 105,000 acres um this is a big lake man this is uh, i'm I'm talking a monstrous lake um you know you're breaking your thirds down into thirds and into thirds and into thirds <laughs> again. I mean, because dude, the lake is just so big, and but there's a lot of high percentage areas out there. And then you take another lake out here, Toledo Bend, which is you know 128,000 acres. You know, it's just and dude, fishing that lake is you might as well be in the ocean. Like I mean, dude, I fished that lake um, earlier this year, and it was 35 mile per hour winds. Um, it was eight-foot rollers out there, dude. And I'm out there getting it, bro. Like, I'm talking about I'm on the south end of the lake. I'm, like, one of maybe two boats that are even on this side of the lake. And it's just crazy out there. Like, the video is on my YouTube channel, dude. It's probably one of my most viewed videos. Like, <laughs> I ended up falling. Like, I ended up having to get off the water because it was just so bad. I had, mm. four, I had caught four fish before I decided to get off the water at, at literally, like, 12 o'clock. Damn. And um, because I was just like, I can't like I, I was I went up into this cove and these coves are huge. And the wind is just ripping. And like I'm fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing. You know, I you know, I fished this area in practice. So I came back down there. I found a couple of the fish that I saw in practice. And then I went up into this shallow pocket just to kind of get out of the wind a little bit. And I'm fishing in there, just not finding any fish in there. So I'm like, I'm gonna go back out and cut back around around this um this point and see if I can find some fish over here. Did I go to try to come out of this out of this cove, dude? And I, I'm literally kicking as hard as I possibly can, and my boat is going backwards. <laughs> like, I'm commuting, I'm commuting. And it, it is the only time in my almost five years of being on a kayak, dude, that I have ever felt unnerved
1: mm.
2: in a kayak that I ever that I was, I was a little bit afraid, and um, I literally, I literally say this out loud. I was like, "This is not going to work." I was like, "I got to get off the water." I was like, I- "I'm not moving. Like, I-, I this is this is just too dangerous. I can't, I can't do anything with this." And I turn around and like again, you know, tournaments, you know, they're round robins. You got to launch at a public ramp. I'm a mile and a half from my where I launched my boat at the ramp. Mm-hmm. I literally had to pull up in some dude's yard at his home <laughs> boat ramp. And um, dude, I go to step out of the boat, and some rogue wave comes through, bro, and it literally just throws me into the lake, dude. And I'm oh, the water like forty degrees.
1: Oh, yeah,
2: it's cold as all get out. Like I cut my hand up and my leg up, and my my uh, my bibs full up with water. My boots are completely full of water. Like, dude, like I'm like, it's just crazy. It's all bad. Mm-hmm. My boat comes flying over the top of me. You know, I'm I to get back up, and uh, yeah, I get up and get out of the water. Finally, drag my kayak up onto the ramp. And I'm literally just knocking on doors, bro. Like people's houses that are right here in this cove. I'm just knocking on doors. Finally get to a house. A guy opens the door, and um, I was like, "Hey, you know, sorry to bother you," uh, but I was like, "You know, um, I you know fell out my boat down there, at the ramp," and I was like, "You know, uh, I was wondering if I could, one of you guys would mind giving me a ride back to my truck down at the at the ramp down there." And they're like, "Are you in like a green colored kayak?" And I was like, yes. was like, man, we were watching you out our dining room window. <laughs> yeah are out here fishing out here. And I was like, Yeah, it was like, man, and he's like, I saw you. I told my wife, I was like, that dude is crazy. And um, there's dude, a I'm video on the,
1: there's a video on the internet of that guy yeah. going, Look at this dumbass Matt, out here I'm telling this you, bro. right now. Check and, um, YouTube
2: later, <laughs> yeah, dude. And he was like, He's like, Were you catching any? I was like, Yeah, I caught four. He was like, dude, that's unbelievable. He was like <laughs> He's like, dude, it's crazy out there right now. I was like, bro, I've never been out on, on a lake that's been this bad. He's like, dude, it gets pretty bad out here when it's windy. Cause like the lake is just so big and wide open. Like, yeah, yeah. that them them waves just get the going, bro. And it just it literally is like a washing machine out there.
0: I had to bail um, a lot of Malax last year with the same conditions. I first time I fished Malax, I was in a bay, I launched, and then the minute I got to that main lake. I said, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. 15 minutes. I'm out
2: of here. Yeah, bro. <laughs> and, uh, but he gave me a ride. You know, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I'll give you a ride. He's like, where are you at? You just at the fin and feathers up the road. I was like, yeah. Um, I jumped on the back of his truck and he drove me up there. His wife gave me a towel and everything. And uh, he drove me up there. And I, I grabbed my truck and came back down to his <laughs> boat ramp and loaded my boat up. And I, I went home, man. And I was like, you know, I, it was crazy too, dude. I was like, I was like, I think that was one of the, the only tournaments that I had not caught a limit in, you know, and I mean, I had been out in some tournaments that were, that were almost just as bad, but just, you know, just not as crazy, you know, with the wind, just because Toledo Bend is just such a big lake, but, you know, I had to break that lake down into smaller chunks, man, to be able to find, you know, viable water that I could fish. Cause it it, dude, in practice. I literally, I pedaled 16 miles in practice trying to find a viable area to fish Tournament day, like I had literally marked all these different spots on the lake that I wanted to fish, and they were all pretty much in this one giant arm. But you know, Google Maps will make you think that arm is pretty small until you really, really zoom in, and the bass boats are literally the size of a pin tip. And you're (laughs) like, man, this thing is a lot bigger than I thought it was. And then you actually get out there, bro. I literally put in 16 miles kicking on that lake in practice to find that one stretch of bank that I caught all my fish on, you know, mind you, they were all sitting in 28 feet of water, but I mean, cause dude, the banks just drop off. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they go from two feet to 30 feet like that, you know? And I mean, it's just like, you know, that's just the work that you, that I had to put in, but it's like, you know, that that's just what it comes down to is, is you, is you have to break those big bodies of water down into smaller manageable chunks, especially when you're on a kayak. Cause you can't, you don't have the, the luxury of just kicking the motor on and, popping in the seat and shooting across the lake, you know, two miles, 10 miles, 15 miles to another spot. You know, you got to find ways to fish effectively and efficiently.
1: Yeah. Making you know, a run can. in a kayak is three miles, yeah, <laughs> like two yeah. miles. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you think about it when you're in an area, a lake making a run for two miles might not get you nowhere outside of where you were just fishing and not catching fish.
2: hundred percent that, that, yeah, that, that position may not change your fishing any at all. And you know, there's a saying, you know, you don't leave fish to go find fish.
1: (laughs) Golden rule, baby. Golden rule. Unless you do and they're bigger fish and you win. And that happens every now and again too.
2: Every now and again. It's rare, but it it happens.
1: I'm
0: so old school it's funny you say that you load that up in your in your navionics and that I'm still old school enough that I will print up a topo map of whatever section of lake I'm fishing or the whole lake if it's smaller and up here. And I actually look at what the, what the wind is predicted. And I'll go ahead and I'll take a ruler and my credit card. And I'll draw the lines in and see what structure, vertical structure in particular, I'm looking for. Whether it's a point, a weed mm-hmm. bed that I know is there, that the wind is going to blow those bait fish into. Yeah. And I, I always I always work that first. So, But I like fishing in the wind. I'm insane.
2: I am um, too, man. I, yeah. I have a saying that wind is your friend, you know, and I, I, oh, yeah. dude, I used to hate the wind in a kayak. Especially in oh yeah, When, when I first got started cow, in kayak yeah. fishing, dude, I despise windy days, man, but like now, bro, I don't care if it's rain, sleet, shine, two degrees, ten degrees, ten million degrees, 200 mile per hour winds, bro. I'm out there. Charlie will tell you in a heartbeat, bro, we, I will send it. I don't care. <laughs> it could be lightning, thundering, <laughs> You don't officially because that's whenever the fish are biting. And Charlie, bad days are when the fish Gordon, so
1: you got to come with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Sean's so old school, it's amazing he even knows how to print anything out on a computer.
0: <laughs> that's one of, that's one of those fancy abacuses, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, y- you uh you said something earlier a while ago, kind of kind of in the middle of this conversation, Brandon. That, that created the greatest screaming argument between me and Sean ever was the luck aspect of fishing. And I don't want to harp on this because I know Sean's got to get up out of here and here in a few minutes, but uh, the, the luck aspect of, I have a very different, and this is maybe something we can touch on on another podcast, I have a very different view of luck in fishing than I think, I know Sean does and I think you do, but that when you've brought that up, <laughs> the the biggest the in in by screaming it was it was not even an argument it was me screaming at Sean that I agreed with him and him screaming at me about what he did anyway you'd have to go back and listen to episode people have listened it's one of our still one of our top I think 10 episode downloads
0: kids
1: oh, Sean are hollering at each other about look it's
0: painful it's painful to listen to I'm not I, I've actually <laughs> mentally blocked it out it's wonderful I don't ever want to get into that conversation again. <laughs> I don't know what happened.
1: I was trying to give him a damn compliment and he wouldn't take it. Because <laughs> and and I still won't. <laughs> He's crazy. that is <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. See, this conversation, we started this all talking about forward facing sonar and technology. It morphed into the tournament fishing side of it. And you know, we, we have kayak anglers that listen to this. We have regular anglers we have people that don't know shit about fishing where people fish out of a boat. All this is, is relevant information for tournament angling, but angling in general. Like when you yeah, go absolutely. out fishing, you want to catch a fish. Mm-hmm. So how do we put ourselves in a position to to catch those fish? And that's what fishing comes down to. Now we're talking about from the tournament side where we've got some money invested in it and, and a lot of time, but that's the whole, that's, that's the essence of fishing is catching fish that's what we all want to do when we go out on the water is catch fish and it's putting in that time and not everybody has that time right you hear this like uh, this guy i have seven hours on a saturday twice a month to go out and fish i can't go pre-fish i can't go practice i can't do that but putting some time in and doing the map study looking at fishing reports looking at at you know talking to your buddies that are fishing Like these are all things that you can do that don't require you to burn fuel, to, to take time away that you don't have to go pre-fish. Like these are all things that you can do to give you a better percentage chance of catching those fish. And like this whole conversation over the last 20 minutes has been really about that. How do you, how do you maximize your time out on the water to catch those fish that's that's what we go fishing to catch fish now some people go out just to enjoy the, the water and to be out in nature and shit but let's be real when when you're in texas or north carolina or even here the last month or so up in shones area you it when it's 100 100 degrees outside or 95 degrees outside and it's 11 o'clock and you ain't caught no fish you ain't enjoying shit with nature <laughs> Like, you know, nature Nature can go kiss my ass because you you're just not enjoying yourself at this point. You're out there to catch fish. That's the first reason people go fishing. If you want to go enjoy nature, you're out there at six o'clock and you're off the water at eight. But, you know, these are all things that that all of us as anglers from the bank, from a boat, from from anywhere can can do to, to increase that percentage so we can have that good time and do what we all love to do. That's
2: fish and catch fish. 100%, man. I agree with you on that 1,000%. But even still, I, I do enj- enjoy, you know, while while those days of not catching do absolutely suck, I, I do look at those, those days as better than a day that I didn't get on the water. You know, even if it is me yep. out there yep. struggling and, you know, sweating to death, you know, I'm happy with being on the water. You know, that that's a, that's a big piece of it for me is just being out there on that kayak and being out there in that, in that water, in those elements
1: and, mm-hmm. and trying
2: to figure it out, you know, clear my mind, you know, that escape from the day to day, you know, that the week to week and whatever, you know, all those troubles get left behind when you're out there on that water.
1: You know, and so. I didn't serve y'all too did, but you know, you hear a lot of veterans talk about how fishing saved them. So many yep. people talk about that and it's, it's, that being out there and kind of the quietness and being away from everything and um then you know it's for anybody that gets out on the water. It's that calming calming, even though if you saw me out there I'm not really calm I'm at all. But it's just it's the aspect of being out there and being away from anything that you don't have to think about. Right? Yeah
2: man I mean, fishing fishing honestly for me has been the closest thing to being in the military outside of the military. I mean dude hmm. It, it, th- this space is filled with so many like-minded individuals, man. It's, it's, it's insane, man. Like how much you have in common with people that you would never think that you ever connect with a, a day in your life. But it's the same way in the military. You know, you come across people that are from all different walks of life from all different aspects of everything. And they become like your brothers and sisters, you know, like they, mm-hmm. they become your family. And dude, I have I have made some of the closest relationships with with people that I have ever had my entire life outside of the military, in the yeah, fishing yeah. industry. Like my buddy Charlie, man, is he is literally my best friend, man. Like I I would I treat Charlie as if he was one of my army buddies that I've I've been to combat with a million and one times. Our families hang out, you know. Our kids hang out, you know. We that is my best friend, you know. And I mean, and I met him through fishing. Uh-huh. A lot of my friends, just in general, that. I have are people that I've met from fishing, you know, that just started as a a comment on a photo, you know, Mm. that I ended up linking up with and we ended up fishing and we become friends. You know,
1: it's a very welcoming sport.
2: A thousand percent, man. It it doesn't matter what, what, what your race is, your ethnicity, what your political background is, none of that stuff. It it means nothing in this space. And that's what's Mm. so awesome about it is that anybody can, can enjoy this sport for what it is and go out here and have a good time with With people that are here to do the exact same thing, and and that's Mm
1: -hmm. well, we're going to start wrapping this up. We do have the questions before we get into that. You mentioned something earlier again that I thought was funny because I just started doing this on the Tiki Tac, which is AKA TikTok, the mindless content creation. I started creating TikToks that last about seven or eight seconds in a of me pumping gas, and it's me opening my door on my truck. It's me putting the truck into gear and. I must have, I've got 20 in my drafts right now, me doing what I call everyday stupid shit, like putting on your shoes and stuff like that is seven seconds. You know what people watch that seven seconds and they watch it two or three times because like, what the hell did I miss? You didn't miss shit. It's just me putting my shoes on. So the mindless, the mindless content, uh and this kind of goes back to the attention span of where we are right now, which you're alluding to with catching fish, right? If you're catching a lot of fish, people will typically stay tuned in. But, but yeah, on the content creation side, I've started doing stupid stuff like that, but you know, it's, it's interesting and I enjoy it because it's fun, but it's also, I never run out of it. <laughs> it's yeah. like Everyday stuff. So that this is the end of bass and brews coming up. These are our, our questions. What we're known for. It's the only scripted part of this shitty little podcast. And I'll tell you, these questions have ruined careers of a couple people, and a couple other people they've pumped up. But when you, we're gonna ask a question, there's no thinking, there's no it's it's like we'll ask a question, you'll get it, and it's one or the other. There ain't no maybe ifs, ands, or buts. And if we don't agree with it, we're gonna chastise you. But here we go. You ready for these questions, Brandon?
2: <laughs> Let's go. All
1: right, dude, crocs or flops.
2: I don't wear either of them. you yes. No, I definitely don't go barefoot. I, no, I, bro, I'm covered from head to toe, man. When I go out in the bro, skin cancer is no joke, bro. I'm not trying to get oh, skin cancer.
1: But my my brother in law is a dermatologist. And my grandma has skin cancer. I've had a it, look. Now I lather down. I look. I look like Mikey balls on the water. Now I look like a ghost. <laughs> Lathering down. Dude, he
2: he I don't even know where you get that that white powdery. Um, Sunscreen from like where does he even buy that stuff? Mike
1: Mikey must Mikey must have bought stock in zinc oxide back in the Man. mid to early nineties, if that's to what he's still using. Because when we had him on, I was like, "Dude, you look. I love what you do for for you know promoting healthy skin in the sun, but damn it, how do you you got to rub that shit in, Mikey? Come um, on now, me, bro. But, no, again, but
2: if,
1: hey, I, if I,
2: I had to choose one, you
1: gotta
2: choose one. If I had to choose one, um. I'd probably go with Crocs. They offer a little bit of coverage, you know. Just and they got the strap on the back, so I don't have to worry about them sliding off my feet. They got that well, four-wheel drive.
1: Well, unless your dog chews them off like mine, and neut- he neutered my damn Crocs.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. I I just Charlie wears flip flops a lot on the water. That's his thing. Um, if he's not wearing like because I wear like my NRS Boundary boots or my backwater shoes. Uh, and um, but Charlie most of the time he's wearing like flip flops, especially in the summer. Um, but me, I do. I, I'm, I'm covered, man. Like I, I don't really get hot. Like when it comes to like, you know, the, the sun protection stuff. So, you know, I'm wearing long sleeves, pants and, um, you know, like my water shoes or my boundary boots. So.
1: I'm barefoot. The only reason I got Crocs in my boat is so I can take my kayak from the truck to the, to the launch and from the launch to the truck. And I don't get a hook in my foot at the launch. Other than that, it can be a hundred degrees outside or it can be 20 degrees outside. And you can ask anybody I fish with them. Crops come off and I'm barefoot in the boat the whole time. Man,
2: you, you, you're gonna get a hook in your foot, bro. I'm telling I'm you, man. Barefoot with, with sun
1: sunbum.
0: <laughs> I, 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 at this point, I eat sunbum. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I'm some.
2: just I'm just too worried about getting stuck, man. I think that's a big thing for me. Is um I just don't want to get a, a hook in my foot. Like I had a hook in my like I had a fish go berserk in my hand. And literally oh, just like headbutt my thigh with a freaking <laughs> with six trebles like a nice. few months ago, bro. Fishing almost five years, never been hooked. And finally got a DT6 embedded oh. into my thigh. Oh. And um the fish is literally hanging off my leg. <laughs> and, dude, I mean, it's just all bad, bro. Like, I mean, it, every yeah, time the fish so breathes, time. it's just pain throbbing <laughs> through my leg. I just couldn't imagine that in my foot. And I think that's just where it comes from is the hooks are sharp and I just don't want them in my feet. I,
1: so, I'm very careful. I'll say enough. this. I'm very careful because if I ever get hooked enough that like I got to go get it taken out at emergency room or somebody's got to yank it out with some thread, I ain't going to lie, y'all. If that shit ever happens to me, there's a good chance that I'm going to black out for, <laughs> for a second or two. And that's another reason I my fat ass wears my damn life jacket because I can't float in the water. I sink. Yeah. But yeah, I'm very careful with that. All right, pineapple on pizza, yes or no?
2: That's my wife's thing, man. I, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> I like that.
1: I like Go that. You church. know what? If somebody else buys it, I will eat the shit out of it. Like I'll I'm eat it,
2: order. but that's. But it's, I'm definitely not ordering restaurant. it. Yeah, yeah I'm it not ordering. Not- my wife—that's my wife's thing. My wife loves pineapple on pizza, but no. it's not my, that's not for me.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I, look, if I want to get an extra topping, I'm going to get like extra pepperonis. Yeah, bacon, you're gonna, you're bacon, gonna not like, no Canadian bacon either. We don't no, need no American bacon. Yeah. I had to make sure, Sean, you're up there around them Canadians, so I didn't know if maybe you like. <laughs> yeah, Canadian. We, we
0: have Canadian bacon up here too. We call it ham, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, exactly.
1: it's thinly it yeah, sliced it's, ham, yeah, subpar ham, and it goes it's not on even country <laughs> ham,
0: and it goes on sandwiches, not on pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> there we
1: go. You gonna spend more on a rod or a reel,
2: Brandon? Um, I'm cheap, man. When it comes to gear, um, I, would much, rather, I would much rather spend the money on on the rod versus the reel. Okay.
1: Nice.
2: Um, for me, I mean, the reels they are all gonna pretty much do the same thing. I I prefer a high gear ratio reel over like a slower one, um, just simply because you can always slow down. Uh, it's definitely a lot more work to speed up a really slow reel. Um. Yeah, so I, I did I mean, they're all they're all basically the same, in my opinion. I mean, if you're gonna spend the money, spend the money on a good quality
1: rod. Versus you obviously don't have ADHD because for folks that like me that have that, we cannot slow down ever. <laughs> <laughs> also, if y'all want to go hear a good back and forth, go listen to Armando, good friend of the show, on bass Kike, bass Kike and beers. I was on there a couple of weeks ago. It dropped, I think today. Yeah, I think today. Go listen to that. We had some fun times and uh, me and Armando got into it some. In a three hour session, Brandon, you'll catch five two pounders or one seven pounder?
2: Uh, In three hours?
1: You got three hours tomorrow morning to go fish. You want to catch one seven pounder? You're going to be happy with five two pounders.
2: I'd be happy with any fish, to be honest.
1: No, Bo, you got to pick one, Brandon. I, I,
2: so I, I'll, I'll take the five. I'd be happy okay. with the five. Okay. I, I, I'd love to catch one seven-pounder, but it just depends on how bad of a grinder it is. But I think in most cases, you know, I, I prefer just to catch some fish.
1: I got you. There you go. Hey, hey, I can agree with that all day long. All right. Wacky rig or Texas rig?
2: Texas rig. Wacky rig is just a little bit too slow for me. I'll throw it. Don't get me wrong. And it, it absolutely flat out catches fish, but it's just a tad bit too slow
0: mm-hmm. Brandon, next time you come up north of the Mason-Dixon, you let me know I'll meet you because we got fish (laughs) together. I'm liking you. We got no pineapple on pizza. We ain't throwing no friggin' wacky rigs. I like this. We're going to – Are
1: you pegging your Texas rig or are you letting that lake be free?
2: I do both. Uh, Most of the time I peg it, though, but I I do on occasion. It it depends on what I'm throwing on the rig. If I'm throwing a worm, definitely peg. If I'm throwing like a creature bait or something like that, I'll I'll let it float.
1: Okay. All right. Alex Rudd. Overrated or
2: underrated? I honestly don't watch a lot of A. Rudd, man. I'll be, I'll be straight up honest with you. I don't.
1: So so overrated.
2: I won't say he's overrated or underrated because <laughs> I don't watch a lot. I don't really watch a lot of his stuff. Alex,
1: Alex, is a Buddy ours Now you got to say overrated or underrated. We like, unlike his show, there ain't no you know adequately rated. It's one or the other.
2: No, I mean he's got a beard, <laughs> so you know. I'm I'm a bearded gent myself, so I, okay. I won't call him overrated. I'll say he's underrated because okay. you know, he, he's right. he's a bearded gent. You know, I'll, I'll give him that. Alex is a good dude. I just don't I don't watch a ton of his
1: stuff. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, most YouTubers don't watch a lot of fishing YouTube. Most I watch
2: of- a lot of fishing YouTube. It's just yeah. I, I'm really specific on the people that I like. Dude, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I my boy Greg Greg Blanchard, dude. I watch a ton of his stuff. That that's really who a lot of his stuff who, whose fishing content I consume a lot of. Yeah, and um, and then I, outside of him, like I, I watch a lot of like storytelling type yeah. um, YouTube, so Wildfly, and, like I I love fly fishing as mm. well. So okay. um, Wildfly actually, those boys just dropped a new one, the uh, Sailboat Diaries. Bro, if y'all have not checked that out. If you want to see some epic saltwater content, like just just nice. dumb, check that it out. It's a it's absolutely killer.
1: I allude a lot to people catching one or two fish in a 20 or 30 minute video. And I sit there and watch every second of it. And that is directed straight towards Greg Blanchard. Like I yeah. will watch all of his videos because it, he tells us he's, he's engaging the whole time. Yeah. Engaging the whole time. Great. great. And, he, he's,
2: and he's, he does it. He does what the same thing that we do. You know, he tells, he he tells his story with the good and the bad. He, he shows the bad days on the water. He shows the great days on the water you know he he is kind of uh you know the the epitome of what fishing is when it comes yeah. to creating content you know and he, and he does it so simply too like he, he's yep. not using a bunch of crazy camera gear you know he doesn't have an external shooter or anything like that he's just using a couple gopros you know just just keeping it simple man and yep he, a little he, stuff, man. he, he's, he does oh, yeah. he, what he does is great with what he has and, it, and it's killer content it's, yeah, it's a, using a name, drone like he
1: after he got him. turned in and got scared by the FAA.
2: Yeah, well, he's out there in California, you know, <laughs> they don't play around. <laughs> anything, so,
1: but he does but. catch big fish, which is one yeah. of the three things I say you got to do to be a good content, be a good YouTuber in general. All right, Indeed. slow jams or hype music?
2: I listen to literally everything. I know that I got to pick one or the other. Um, there's not a genre of music that I don't listen to, I literally listen to everything and um i'm a big fan of music i used to produce music so um that's a big reason why i I, uh i listen to everything and enjoy everything um but uh if i had to pick i'd go with hype you know because i i'm I'm a pretty hype person i like stuff that kind of gets me moving so um i'd go with hype music and um but i i enjoy slow jam too you know Mm
0: -hmm. i like Mm -hmm. old
2: school music so i I like old school slow jams
0: you know like Okay. so examples.
2: examples. Um, I mean, like I like like soul music, like those types of slow jams. Um, you know, obviously, like stuff that we grew up on in the '90s and stuff like that are, are
1: good as well. But oh yeah, see, shown was already like 50 years old in the '90s, so we're we're talking about <laughs> 1930s slow jams. Not that
2: that's like. too old. And I, I don't <laughs> <even really laughs> think that's even really considered slow jam back then. <laughs> I don't even think most of that stuff was even considered a jam back then. <laughs>
1: oh. Well, look, Sean's a music head. He's you, you, you and him can talk about this because we we don't have time for that shit right now. But Sean is a <laughs> is a music head. He's he's been all over and seen a lot, heard a lot, and done a lot. That's all a right, sh- of
0: what <laughs> music, Sean? Oh, music. I just listen to it. I I don't do it. Oh, I suck Lord. at it. Oh, go ahead. I ask you questions. <laughs> talk about pulled on- cuts.
1: Look, I bring you on here to keep me on track, and you're doing a shit show job of it. You
0: didn't tell me I was supposed to do that. Just sitting your first go-round.
1: You should know better. I can't. All right, well, have you ever eaten beaver? Beaver? Me? No, not you.
0: The animal? You're about
1: to guess, Sean. What the hell's wrong with you?
0: The I'll tell you why.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Brenda> said animal. <laughs> Yes, the animal, whatever the beaver is. There,
2: I have not eaten a beaver
1: in Texas, man. They got y'all got beaver down there, don't you,
2: bro? We got every animal you can imagine walking down here. Dude, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm I'm not keen on anything outside of the normal stuff. You know, okay, beef, beef chicken, beef, and, and pork. Steak, you know, beef, chicken, and pork. Um, I have I've eaten deer, obviously. Um, uh, animal. <laughs> I mean, just the normal stuff, man. Like, I, I, I'm one of those types of people that will literally try anything. I, I've eaten a turtle before. That that to me was not good any, at all. It was actually <laughs> really gamey. Um was not uh-huh. a fan of that. But, but um,
1: have you ever eaten any? So, y'all got big gar down there. Have you ever eaten any of the gar? Down I down haven't down
2: had gar yet, man. So, I got a buddy of mine that um they make like gar balls and stuff like yep, that. yep. You know, they bowl them and make got, gar they, balls and fry them. Gar balls wondering.
0: goes perfect with beaver
2: yeah <laughs> i've been wanting, <laughs> i've been wanting to try it i just haven't i haven't had an opportunity to try yet i mean i got i got Cajuns in my family so we we pretty much okay. eat you know everything you know anything when it comes to it. yeah right, i mean man. i again I'll try anything you know i'm I'm not opposed to trying anything so um i just recently ate uh rocky mountain oysters smoked nice. rocky mountain oysters they were phenomenal by the way ah. and um yeah. So that was highly surprising. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, I'll try
0: anything yeah, I hey, mean, show, I, worse.
2: Hell, I've been deployed. So
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, MREs are worse than balls.
2: I mean, I've eaten stuff cooked by people that you probably wouldn't trust near food.
0: You know, so. <laughs> Paul, I, I got all excited when you asked that, because I don't know if you're aware of the past like month or so. Um, my buddy Nelson who co-directs with me, he got his Ooh. trapper's license and he got, he got Ooh. a beaver. We had had beavers. We had beaver sliders this weekend. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Delicious. Beaver
2: sliders. So you just made them into like burgers. Yeah. Oh, it's really lean. Like
0: uh, most animals
2: outside of beef and chicken are like really lean.
0: It's like a a slightly fattier venison. Paul, you've had it. Is that a correct statement? It tastes a little bit. There's a hint of venison, but it also depends on what kind of meat you mix it with.
1: Well, it's not like, yeah. So. so the only way I've ever eaten beaver besides in the bedroom is slow cooked and pulled like pork. Dude, like so these so, you just like
2: spatchcock the thing and just smoke the whole thing?
1: Yeah, you smoke and it. Just you just pull, pull it all it. off the bone. Yep, you pull it. And so it's it's kind of it's kind of fatty. It's a darker meat. It's it's a little tough. So cooking it long because of all the all the fat and connective tissue and stuff in there, renders it out real good. Renders out the collagen, so the only way I've ever eaten it has been smoked, like you would, like you would a Boston butt, right? And okay. pulled it like that. I've I've never eaten it like Sean had it in in a was, ground up. It, yeah. yeah, it was ground,
0: yeah. It was ground. We we cooked Nelson cooked it up. Uh, we put a couple small strips of bacon on it, some cheese, uh, buns obviously, and then we used a little bit, a little bit of Nando's parmesan. If you guys have had no, haven't had any Nando's, it goes on everything. Just eat Nando's. that's good shit like i'm i might start mainlining that shit it's incredible well i'll have
2: to check it out man like i said i don't i don't know anybody around i mean i'm sure there's obviously clearly people around here that eat that stuff and and trap and catch and cook um i'll have to get with somebody man and figure it out i mean again i'll try anything man
1: well hey if you ever come out to a north carolina way i don't have any direct sources but i'm sure i could find one but we we could we could we could definitely hook you up
0: we
2: be careful all the time on the water so i mean it
0: Oh yeah! Be careful about walking around asking leave. who's got any beaver that might not go so
1: well. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to create a TikTok next week about that. All right, the, the, the this one and the next one after this are all about food. Um, so, do you eat large mouth bass? Absolutely. Hell yes, yes. Absolutely. my man. Think about it. He said absolutely. absolutely. It, follow it follow it up is.
2: question: How? Oh, do any way you can think of it. We yeah. grilled it. We fried it. We make fish tacos out of it. Um, fish we pizza. Made, we, I, I make pizzas. Do you pizza?
0: Check this out: sauceless largemouth bass pizza. You don't put a sauce down. You put a little oil, a little garlic, a little red onion. Your cheese. Fry up the bass with salt and pepper, and throw that on there like it's meat. And then put a little bit of Italian seasoning. It's a knockout and campfire tastes better, just
2: bro. Know. Let's go. That's 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 the that's mostly whenever we do we do largemouth bass, um, is during when we camp and stuff like that. Me and Charlie yeah. are just the gang or whatever. I mean, I do. I've also brought it home, my kids eat it, dude. I do phenomenal tasting fish. I, I don't yeah. care what anybody says about it, dude, it's a game we, fish, but that is a it is a phenomenal fish to eat.
1: Man. People like, always it, say it tastes like mud and this shit yeah, right now. Crazy, I'm like, well, I will fry up, I'll, I will fry up. It's it's got to be it's got to be in nuggets, but I'll fry bass, crappy brim, jackfish, and carp. Now the one that you'll pick out first is going to be carp. The second is going to be the jackfish because of the bone. But the other three fish,
2: you can't tell the difference, you. huh? Ninety-nine percent you can't tell the difference.
1: Yeah, ninety-nine percent of people would never know the difference between a crappy, a brim, and a bass fried up in a nugget. Yeah,
2: me personally, this is just my my personal opinion. Bass to me tastes better than crappie. That's Ooh. that's that's my personal opinion. Like that's I, a you know, bold I,
0: statement. I like. I've it.
2: had I've had crappie. I've had white bass. You know, I mean, I've had all kinds of different yeah. types of fish. You know, I've had brim. I've had you know I've tons of catfish. Clearly, um, Oh, but,
1: catfish is the other one. But yeah, yeah, but
2: bass to me, dude, bass in my opinion is probably one of the be- the better tasting freshwater just- fish that's out there. Man. It is. Well, it's phenomenal. And you know which ones taste even better? Spotted bass. Mm,
0: really?
2: <laughs> Spots taste yeah. even better.
0: Yeah. We had we had smallmouth pizzas this weekend on Friday, and then Saturday I was just
2: bass, I, I know it'll piss a lot of people off, but dude, I'm I'm down for it, man. Like we make we, we, yeah, we uh fish tacos is a staple for us when we oh, can't. Oh, like, yeah. It is a it is a staple for us, and um Bro, I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm glad you asked it, cause dude, I tell people all the time. People are like, you eat bad? Absolutely, hell yeah, absolutely. I got of food ass up there right now.
1: Yeah, I ain't eating. I ain't eating no you know, like eighteen inches and above. No,
2: absolutely not. We we 12, usually
1: 12, we, 12, 14 we, inches. Hell, yes. Man, yes. We long. we get
2: those. We knock out those colors, man. We take those those um those twelve to sixteen inches, man. Those are mm,
0: those yeah, are right, yeah. that's fine. a sweet spot right there. Yeah, but man, here's the it,
1: thing. Yeah, Here's the thing. Here's a side note. We've done such a great job as an angling community to catch and release that people aren't keeping the fish that they need to keep and eat. They're not Mm -hmm. keeping them when they should be. There's studies out there I've talked about on this podcast. You can go find that shit. But There's a reason why the scientists in the state and the biologists have created a size, a creel limit, and a limit because the, look, there's a ass load of 12 to 14 inches in most lakes, regardless of how yep. big the fish get. 12 to 14 inches need to be culled out mm-hmm. because 99% of them ain't going to get no bigger than 12 to 14 inches. And all they're Call doing out, is competing for,
2: they're competing for the forage from the bigger mm-hmm. fish, and they're preventing your bigger fish from getting bigger, man. Yep. Yep. 100%. And they
0: excellent on a pizza they taste, we, um, phenomenal.
2: They taste phenomenal period,
0: period. <laughs> we um period. on that same note we did an ocean trip recently one of the quote-unquote garbage fish up here in the ocean is called a sea robin you guys ever seen a what a sea robin looks like i uh, did
1: i did got, one time that's an ugly ass fucking fish yeah
0: so it's a it's i don't even know how to describe it man the head is armored right they've got these big pectoral fins that are like wings and then underneath they have fins that don't have oh, don't they don't have any webbing point. and it looks like crab claws they are messed up looking <laughs> I, so I i so we we were catching tons of them and nelson said hey keep a couple big ones we're gonna put those on the pizza and try them and i said okay so i'm looking at this thing and i'm like man i got this armored head what the hell do i do with it and i just took my fillet knife because you know you gotta bleed them out i, I bled it out like i would a bass i cut the whole the whole throat and threw it in the cooler right Nelson saw me do it, and he said, you amateur. Now, he guided. He, he had a charter, all right? He was in the ocean doing this for years, and he says, watch this. And he grabs one behind, the next one he caught, and he, he took his knife and went like this, <clears throat> like one little jab. And that thing went paralyzed and bled out, and that was it. I'm like, what did you just do? That was like ninja-like. What did you do there? I don't know what he did. It's his magic. He knows how to get dispatched sea robins with a flick of a blade.
2: That's funny. right? They're,
0: yeah, they're good. Oh, they her. were good.
1: I don't know about you Brandon, but the, this Yankee talking about bleeding bass out, I ain't never bled a fish out, a freshwater fish in my entire damn life. Try I, it. If I'm keeping it, I catch them, I throw them in the damn cooler with ice. When I get home, they're all stiff, yep. you know? I've so here's them, the deal, here's bled, why. I don't ever there, bleed them bitches so out. There's I'm a reason for that. If you if you the next time you catch
0: two bass to eat, cut one of them's throat and let it bleed out and don't bleed out the other one. And then compare the flesh when you're done. It's white. It's white versus Brown. It's like, it looks like a healthy white fish. You know what I mean? Like, like a cod or whatever. If you don't bleed it out, the flesh just looks dirtier. Like it's because of the blood in there. Sean, do you see how Well, I know.
1: No, no, I I get, I get the
2: reasoning (laughs) behind, behind bleeding the fish out. I know it's really prominent, especially in saltwater fish. Yeah. Um, I know that it's it's really really specific when you catch like hybrids, um, like you know, Ooh, your yeah. white bass, striped bass mix. Yep. Because them things, dude, they taste if you get one of them things and you don't bleed it out, like and you and you fillet them and you get some of that bloodline on it, bro. Them things they taste super fishy, bro. Like mm, just yeah. like nasty fishy. Yep. Um, but um, yeah, definitely I, I do understand the concept and the reasoning behind. It. I guess for me, I've just never really it's never really made that big of a deal for me, especially because like bass don't really have a bloodline on them, and neither do like catfish typically. Yeah. So you know, I've never really bled them out. I've just always just.
0: I guess it's just an aesthetics thing, but I like having like a white fish being extremely, you know, have that that. Really no, I get it, a hundred percent. Makes it. sense. Just to me. dirty. i I've I've eaten it both ways. I haven't noticed a difference. I just prefer it.
1: Look, I'm that, that very flesh like taste. I'm just putting in my mouth, chewing it, it
0: up, does. and eating it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that goes
1: in your mouth, Paul. Anyways, (laughs) whoa, easy now. There's more shit that comes out of it. Yes. All right. (laughs) Brandon, last question. Now, I want this is this is the one question that you have a couple seconds to think about. Because don't fuck this one up. You will never live it down. Once you answer it, we'll go into a couple of questions. There are a couple of answers that we've got in the past, and we're going to name names as usual and chastise them. So this is this is the, this is what Bass and Bruise is known for, besides being a crappy podcast. All right, you ready? What are your top three sandwich proteins?
2: Top three sandwich proteins.
1: Top three sandwich proteins.
2: In order or any specific order?
1: Oh, it don't matter to order. Just the top three. It don't matter you. Don't matter the order. Oh, just the top turkey, three you to choose: turkey, turkey,
2: ham, or. Mm-hmm. I like chicken. Uh, like when you do like sliced chicken breast.
0: Nice.
1: I, I like love
2: belly it. Chicken breast or whatever.
0: Yeah. Bravo, good, sir.
1: Good. Bravo. Good, good. Uh, so we, a uh, good friend of the show, Delirious Angler, chose cheese. That's right. He had cheese. <laughs> That's
2: not a protein.
1: Exactly. It has protein. Uh, as I tell my eight-year-old son, when he says, can I have a snack? And I say, yeah, it's got to be healthy. It's got to have protein. He says, can I have cheese? I'm like, boy, that ain't a protein. <laughs> Delirious Angler said cheese. We love him. He's great. He's a weirdo. We shouldn't expect anything more. And then, other good friend of ours, Bailey from Serious Angler, said, "Oh man, fucking spinach! <laughs>
2: spinach has iron in it, not protein. I,
1: it's True. got a little bit, but damn it, I, I look. I I grew up eating mayonnaise sandwiches. Look, <laughs> piece of bread, an inch thick of mayonnaise. Like you gotta have the mayonnaise where you can you can measure it, and then another piece of bread. But I ain't never eaten no damn uh, spinach sandwich." The
0: hell kind of, I mean,
1: that's, yeah. Didn't,
0: didn't I catch shit for saying tuna fish? Tuna's know, good, probably. man. I love a tuna fish yeah. sandwich. What did I catch? You guys gave me a rash of shit for something.
1: I, Bo, I don't know, Sean. That was forever ago. I have no right. idea. I, well, there's I, been I many mean,
0: arguments since
1: then. I don't remember. Yes. We, we have hollered each other way too many times to think about a real protein, unlike some of the other people. Well, Brandon, that's it, man. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Look, uh, I know you got some sponsors, some folks that uh, that help you out, do what you do. Uh, shout them out right now. Tell us who you like to thank.
2: Oh, start my bad. Um, yeah,
1: well, you know what? That was a that was a shitty ass question. That was a terrible Oprah question because I left a dangling <laughs> particle at the end and didn't finish it. But yes, holler out, you. Let me read. All right, let me start over. Brandon, <laughs> holler out. The people you'd like to thank, sponsors, friends, etc.
2: Man, I just want to give a shout out to everybody, man, that supports me and the brand, man. Everybody, the whole TBFD gang, man. Charlie, my wife, um, you know, just anybody that that has been down for this whole entire thing throughout this entire process, man. To just this journey that I'm on to help me grow and um, you know to just again grow the sport of fishing, man. Because you know, again, everything that we do is always about for the love of fishing. You know, shout out to all my sponsors and partners. Um, I really appreciate all the support and help that you guys have always given me. You know, you've always been down for the cause, always been down for my vision and everything like that. And uh you bring me great success out here on the water, man. And man, shout out to you guys, man, for having me on. You know, this is a blast. Um, shout out to the whole um, you know, uh paddle and fin network, man. I mean, that uh, the whole thing over there is just awesome, man.
1: I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate all of y'all. Hey, uh, shout out where we can find Charlie because we hadn't done that yet. And Charlie is is your, y- y'all are the A-team yeah. for, for content you put out there. So f- shout out Charlie where we can find him and his stuff.
2: Charlie is just Digital Wells on Instagram. Charlie, he he doesn't post anything anywhere else. And he doesn't even really post much on his Instagram. But he posts uh, when he goes on his little solo missions. Uh, he works from home. so He's
1: he a- behind a lot of people.
2: Yeah, he's, he's definitely been, again, fundamental to, to my strategizing of growing this thing and building it to what it is today. He's he's just as invested in this as I am, um, even though he's behind the scenes. Um, great friend, great dude, man. Just a solid all-around individual. And um, really appreciate him, man, for everything, man. So, uh, Digital we- Wells. He's Digital Wells
1: on Instagram. W-E-L-L-S, right? Yep. yep. Digital right, Wells. Where can we find you on the social medias?
2: I'm That Bass Fishing Dude basically everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, stupid TikTok. I don't really use it, but I got one. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere, man. That Bass Fishing Dude. You can find me everywhere. That Bass Fishing Check it
1: out. Sean, anybody you want to holla out real quick before we end this?
0: Uh, the usual. I'm Sean the Fisherman on Instagram. I kind of maintain a Facebook with the same thing follow jigs and Bags. listen to jigs and Bags. listen to these guys that are so nice and letting me co-host while alex is out i don't know pretending to be enlisted <laughs> whoa oh my ah, Lord. that's not news I, i've said that before coast guard
2: Woo! I, I also have a, a pod, i also have a podcast um it's new um, there's only like one episode on there it's it's not done in this type of format it's a completely different type of format but it's just that bass fishing dudes podcast it's on basically everything so
1: I didn't know that I'll go check that out We need to get that rolling dude because I tell you what you'd be you that that would work for you all right well we thank you Sean the fisherman for coming on you're yeah. old you're ugly yes. we love you yeah, yes. we appreciate you coming on. I can't wait to scream and holler at each other again. Brandon, thanks a lot for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Drew, Paddling, uh, Paddler's Playbook. Thanks for hooking us up with that. Also, the intro music that's new. I think we're on the fourth or fifth episode with that. Saltside Jess, the sweetest voice in podcast land. If y'all want an entry with Saltside Jess, holla at me. I'll get you in touch with Drew to get that done. We thank him for this intro. Set hoodlums family we love them great apparel they got some new stuff coming out we'll see y'all on the next one hell y'all hang on in the back room now